1: Jeremy. Yep. Jeremy. Okay. So is it Bond? Bond. Bond. Yeah. That's right. Yep. That's why I've been saying. But like I James know. Bond. Like, that's my yeah. brother's name. James. James? Yeah. Is it James Bond. He's a total douchebag, but, you <laughs> <Total> know. <douchebag>. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so Jeremy Bond. Um, We got connected <clears throat> through Chase Rolfson, like, there, uh, just yesterday, was it? Yeah. Yes, it was just yesterday. yesterday. And we were talking through emails and stuff. And in the email, you mentioned where you live. I'm like, holy shit, that's like, 20 minutes away from me yeah so here we are in person that's Small your place. world yeah it is it's wild yeah but uh dude, you got a sick place here <clears throat> we're just just give me a little tour around and yeah this place is awesome
2: yeah i uh i bought this place probably a little over a year ago um busting my tail on it um and uh yeah it's for the year that i've had i've really uh i've really done a lot to it and yeah, uh, yeah you should see it when i like when I first got it, like I said, it had uh, shag carpet and uh, wood paneling, and it's a total '80s house. But yeah, I've totally uh, redid the the shop and turned it into a, a pretty bitch, bitchin' bitchin' uh, bitchin' place to hang out and drink <laughs> yeah. beer and tell lies, you know? Right. <laughs> that's what it's all about, dude.
1: Honestly, <clears throat> um, but no, this place is fucking cool. You're out here, tucked out here in the middle, middle of kind of nowhere. So <laughs> good. That's, that's good. What, that's a way to be. That's- but uh so yeah we got connected uh so kind of give us a little backstory on you um you've you've never done a podcast or anything before no i don't know how many people know you
2: but no first time we're here um so i'm a i'm a virgin bod uh podcaster so uh (laughs) you know yeah please uh have some mercy on me but uh so originally i grew up uh up and down the east coast but i call virginia home so i grew up at for the most part in Virginia. Um I graduated high school in ninety three. Um and as a kid, you know, growing up hunting and stuff like that, my my childhood friend Kip Campbell with Red Arrow Weapons and Red Arrow TV, which a lot of you guys might know. Um, we used to run around the woods, play army and you know, think we were cool and you know all this stuff, and <laughs> like, oh man, we wanna we wanna be freaking Wolverines from freaking Red Dawn and you know, save the world and um so I graduated in 93 and said, hell yeah, I'm going in the Army. I'm going to do that. So I did that. Um, did that for a little over 20 years. Um, majority of that time was in special operations with 7 Special mm-hmm. Forces Group. So um, had a lot of fun. Um, met a lot of cool people. Killed a lot of cool people, I'm sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah. maybe, maybe they're uh, cool, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe they're cool, whatever. They thought they were cool. <clears throat> um but uh yeah in uh, a shout out shout out to all you uh you taxpayers out there i appreciate you guys funding all my adventures <laughs> um i really i really had a good time and i appreciate it and i wish i could send you guys all thank you cards but uh yeah. you know yeah.
1: yeah no you had a long career so i spent yeah. i spent uh just o- almost 10 years in the army but not—I wasn't in special operations or anything cool like that. But uh, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes,
2: sometimes, ten days in the army is a long time, right? <laughs> Depending on what you're doing, oh, it yeah. could be
1: a long time. Yeah, but for sure, no, yeah, you spent a long time in there. So you grew up with Kip Campbell. You mentioned <laughs> you mentioned yep. that. Um, I don't know if anyone has been living under a rock, but he's not, he's a pretty well-known name in the outdoor yeah. hunting industry and now weapons industry, I guess. You
2: or. would, you would think so. Yeah. I, th- I think he is. Um, he, like I said, he used to have, uh, he had a show on the outdoor channel, red air TV. He was on the Sportsman's channel that was on the outdoor channel for several years. One, I mean, he's won uh, an ass load of awards and stuff. And, um, and now he's on the, uh, pursuit channel. But, uh, still rock and rolling. I, I think this year it's like 14th, 15th year or something like that. Yeah. Um, he's been, been at it for a long he's time. been doing that. And then, uh, a couple years ago, obviously I retired in, uh, 2013, or 2013, 14, oh. uh, was when I retired from the military. And, uh, a couple years after that, you know, um, trying to f- navigate my, my way through my civilian life now. Um, he approached me and he goes, Hey man, um, would you, uh, would you want to do some stuff? With, I'm starting a gun company, Red Arrow Weapons. He goes, would you want to do some stuff with me? I'm like, hell yeah. I, you know, I've dabbled in guns, you know, I've, <laughs> yeah, I've, <dabbled. laughs> I've, I've used, I've used a couple. Um, so, uh, so him and I have been, uh, rocking and rolling with that for the past couple of years and come out with, uh, this year we came out with a new line of guns, um, a couple new calibers, um, different barrel lengths and different, you know, um, different features as far as handguards hand guards and stuff like that. They're all AR platforms and stuff. And, um, yeah, we're super excited about that and get those, get those out to, you know, the market and, and, uh, see what you guys really think of them. Um, I would compare them to, um, a Daniel's defense. If you're, if you know anything about guns and AR platforms, I would compare it to a Daniel's defense, but at half the price. Right. Yeah. yeah.
1: And Daniel defense is a uh, very well known. Yeah you know web uh firearm manufacturer they make a like really really mm-hmm. nice shit uh but yeah like i mean with the deal defense you're talking over two grand oh, for an yeah, AR, right yeah. yeah and what what is the so okay your your role in red arrow weapons like so are you are you working for the company or are you you were helping with R and D.
2: So, so I helped, uh, we went down to Florida last summer and we were designing some new, uh, some new changes to the, to the firearms, you know? We're using uh, CMC triggers, which are a, a badass drop-in trigger, you know, on on all his platforms except for his, his lower end, his price point gun. Mm-hmm. So they all have the CMC trigger, uh, but we want something that stands ourselves apart from the rest of the industry. So we we redesigned the handguard, and I helped R and D that, and with not just my help, and we had some other special operators down there, um, down there in Cocoa Beach, Florida, with Di- at uh Firearms, you know, facility. And, um, so that's, who's making them, they're, red arrow yeah, weapons they're, they're the there. one actually manufacturing. manufacturing. Actually, I didn't go. know that. I didn't know until recently. Um, when I was down there, they actually manufacture stuff for Daniel's defense. Oh no shit! Yeah, I did. No, I, did. I had please. no idea, and, and huh. I think they they manufacture stuff for like Taurus and a couple other man, you know, gun manufacturers and stuff. Okay, um, had no idea, but yeah. I mean, you, if you have a facility with a bunch of CNC machines and stuff, and you have the 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 knowledge and the people to do it and stuff like that, hey, it's a money making thing, you know. If you know what you know, what comes out the other end of the machine whether they put Daniel's defense on it or they put railroad weapons or they put Colt or they put whatever on it that, you know, it's, it's just another machine that made, made a part. Um, so it's just like, I don't know. I used to race motocross and stuff like that. And, and it's like, uh, you know, like I'm not, I can never, I'm never going to be able to outride that bike. Right. So it's like, Hey, what, what's your favorite color? Cause that's the bike you should get. Like a red Honda or a blue Yamaha or a freaking orange KTM or whatever, you know? Like I'm never gonna be able to push that bike. I'm not pro, I'm I'm doing army shit. Yep. You know, I'm not a pro, so I'm never gonna be able to push that bike to its limit. So Mm -hmm. what's your favorite color? You know, it's kinda it's kinda like what's coming out the end of that machine, like hey, you like Daniel's defense written on your gun? Or do you like saving some money and putting a red arrow weapons? And it's the same freaking. You get the same performance and the same. Um, and actually, I think that the CMC triggers and the Red Arrow weapons are better than a dangerous defense. Oh yeah, trigger. for sure. Um, and
1: honestly, yeah, for the price point, like you were saying too, um, it's a very, it's a very fiscally responsible way uh-huh. to get into a really nice, high quality uh, AR platform. Absolutely. You know. So. Yep. It, they, I've, so I've actually never shot any uh any weapons any red arrow weapons before but mm-hmm. uh, i've looked at them like there's a local gun shop you know the mm-hmm. guy uh yeah, pearson's guns yeah. over there but uh he's he carries right away red arrow weapons i've looked at them multiple times and i've obviously know of the brand from yeah. you know just um being a gun you know, guy being a gun guy yeah, yeah. <laughs> i've known of them i just never i've never personally bought one yet but it's definitely just looking at them and they're i mean they're they are very nice looking. It's it's they're, funny, they're sexy. It's really funny you should say <laughs> that because
2: it's funny you should say that because I'm sitting here looking at you and I'm looking at the bar, right? Because we're sitting at the bar in my shop, which is it's pretty badass. It's fucking badass. <laughs> um, I actually have a, a nine banger as my my handle on my tap over there, which is pretty, it's pretty kickass. I mean, I, it's, who else in it's about as badass gets? Who else in Northern Iowa has a freaking? has a nine banger, as a tap handle, but anyway, You're probably the only one. <laughs> yeah, I think so. So I'm looking at you and I'm looking past you, and it's the rest of the bar. And I remember this summer when Kip came out here and we were uh, we were doing some stuff with the guns and shooting some commercials and stuff. And he was actually shooting from the bar across my yard to, at the range. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And my my neighbor down, my my neighbor next door came over because he heard this big loud boom. And ding, boom, ding. He thought I was. He came over here. and was like, what's going on, man? He goes. He thought I was over here building a bridge or something because it sounded like a. I was trying to put pilings in the ground. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I was like, no, dude, we're just over here shooting. He's like, oh, cool. Okay, cool. Yeah, carry on. <laughs> so, yeah, all right, cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I was gonna bring some machinery over here to help you, but all right, yeah, cool, all right, fine, whatever, dude. <laughs> no.
1: So with uh, with red arrow weapons, so obviously you grew up with Kip. Yep, and you guys both were playing army. You're the, you're the only one that went and actually did it. Yeah. But, uh, and then he, so you guys branch off. You were um, had a very long career in the military yeah. and then he's doing his thing in the yeah. outdoor, um, so
2: yeah, I went, I uh, went in, like I said, um, eight days after I graduated high school, I went and delayed entry. Period. So I'd already signed my life away, you know, before I graduated high school, I graduated. Um, <clears throat> and then I find myself in Fort Benning, Georgia, yep. you know, eight days later, um, in the heat in June and scratching my, well, what, where it used to be hair, but scratching my head <laughs> and getting yelled at me like, what the hell was I thinking? I didn't even have the time to enjoy my summer. I'm mean, I such a freaking idiot. Next yourself. thing you know, next thing you know, my friends are back home, you know, partying up and, yeah. you know, having a good time. I'm getting yelled at by some freaking drill sergeant. But, uh, so, 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 uh, so Kip took his, his journey, took him, you know, he went to college and stuff like that when he graduated, I think he was like a, he was like two years maybe behind me. Um, and I was already well deep, I was balls deep in the army by then. And, uh, so obviously there was no, in 93, between 93 and 95, you know, there was no real, real wars going on, you know, desert storm and all that stuff was over. So, um, we did have that, um, Haiti was going on, so I went down to oh, Haiti. Okay. I went yep. down to Haiti and played with that in that shithole. Um, what unit were you in at this time? I was in the twenty fifth. Okay, so I went to the twenty fifth. We went to Haiti, um, total shithole. I was there for I think five, six months. Came back to uh, came back to Hawaii, which I mean, I mean, you, you leave home at seventeen years old, and your first place in your place you live on your own is Hawaii. God, like. Tch come on dude like dude this army thing is freaking awesome this is the shit yeah (laughs) it's awesome except for this big ass heavy backpack on my back and you know this dude yelling at me every once in a while there's worse places to like go on a ruck march in yeah oh yeah it's beautiful (laughs) you know so so i really got into i mean 17 years old you couldn't really enjoy the nightlife so much legally um so you kind of miss i kind of missed out on that but you know i got you know freaking surfing and all this stuff i got to really get really got into surfing and uh like I said, the Haiti thing went, went down. We, we came back to Hawaii, the unit kind of deactivated and, uh, I could reenlist early before my three-year, uh, contract was up. So I said, yeah, dude, I want to jump out planes. So, um, I reenlisted a year early, um, and went to 82nd Airborne Division, Fort Bragg, North Carolina, which was, it was cool. Cause it was like four hours from home, you know, I kind of missed home, you know, I'm still 19 years old at the time, you know, I'm still a freaking teenager. Sure. Um, it'd be cool to see friends, you know, be able to drive home four hours and see friends on the weekend or whatever. Yeah, that's fucking plus, sweet. Plus, I get to jump on planes. Yeah. freaking hell yeah. You know, <laughs> who doesn't want to do that as a 19 year old? I wanted to. <laughs> so, uh, so I went to the 82nd again. Um, it was a different time period. It was, it was prior to, you know, the global war on terrorism and all that stuff. And, um, so it was a lot of dog and pony shows and we did a lot of training and a lot of stuff. And, Probably six months after I got to the 82nd, um, they say, Hey, we're going to Haiti. I'm like, fucking fuck me. I'm like, again, I go, I was just there. No shit. They're like, Oh sweet. You're a subject matter expert. I'm like, ah, oh. anyway, I was like an E4 or something like, that. I just still didn't know anything. I was, I was still, just there, and I dude. was like, God dang it. I should have left some shit there. Cause I'm just coming back. Like, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, so what, was,
1: what the fuck is going on in Haiti at this time? Where so,
2: you guys have by? so initially, it was the uphold it was operation, uphold democracy. There's a the big mm-hmm. overthrow of the government and all this stuff. And um, I guess we had threatened we were going to jump in, you know, the 82nd Airborne Division was going to jump in and stuff. And that's when I was in Hawaii. Um, so after that initial, uh, we got our forces in there and stuff like that and kind of restabilized the government and stuff like that. There were still a bunch of, I mean. Lawlessness and stuff, and, and yeah. corruption, and and I think, I mean, who knows? It could be a big freaking money laundering thing. You know, I was right. like I said, I was nineteen years old. I didn't. You didn't
1: understand. You didn't understand the whole geopolitical atmosphere no, of the time. No, you're I was freaking like, nineteen years 19 old. Nineteen years old, you're they, just doing what you're told. Like yeah, right. I wanted
2: to drink beer and chase pussy. <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I mean, what every other nineteen year old wants to do. Yeah. And uh, actually, I wanted to go freaking go to war and actually do what the army was paying me to do. Yep. But you know, everybody. I don't know. Well,
1: it's one of those things, too. Like, when you train, so like, so long and so hard to do a task. Like, I was talking to my uh, Sanford section leader from when I was in uh, just last night. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about that. It's like he had a good analogy where it's like, hey, you don't like, put me in the game, coach. Like, yeah. I'm doing all this shit, training, yeah. training to, to do this job. And there's nothing going on. So it's like whenever a conflict arises, like, fucking, let's go. All right, yeah. let's see
2: what happens. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of like the... Uh the NFL players, you know, you you train and train and train, and you practice, 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 and you never get to play a game because you're sitting on the bench. Yeah, you're on the practice squad. Well, yeah. it, it, you know, with, with with them, it's, I mean, they're they're getting a good paycheck. I mean, right. as a freaking grunt, I mean, you're, you're not making any money. Especially, you, you're a specialist at this time. Like, not, yeah. that's nothing to write home it, about. <laughs> I think I, I think I have my first LES, which is, uh, it's your leave and earnings statement. So it's basically your pay stub yep. in the military. And I think my first one in basic training for the month was like 700 and something dollars. Hell yeah. Dude, I but, thought I was fucking crushing it. Like, Hell yeah. Brother. Dude, I was a bus boy in Virginia, you know, before, <laughs> yeah. you know, in high school. Oh, yeah. And then washing dishes and all this shit. And the next thing you know, I'm like making $700. Dude, I was rolling in the money.
1: Yeah. Well, it, it, and also, you, you know, you didn't have to pay for groceries. You didn't have to pay no. for housing. You didn't have to pay no. for any shit. So you're like, yeah, it's seven hundred bucks in my pocket.
2: Yeah. Hey, yeah. With so, no debt, nothing. Yeah, I didn't have a car over in Hawaii when I was first there. Yeah. You know, I eventually did, but anyway. Um so yeah, I didn't have any really have any bills. Yeah, I mean seven hundred bucks, hell yeah. Make it rain. <laughs> um so uh shoot, where were we at? Um so uh, yeah, Haiti, Haiti, eighty ha- second Airborne Division yep. and all this stuff. So so went down to Haiti, did that, um, and uh Said so this this whole eighty second thing. I mean, it's good. It's a good unit and everything. Um, it was a dog and pony thing, and my my enlistment was coming up again. And I'm like, man, I'm already five years into this army thing. I'm like, I might as well keep this thing going. It's not bad. I don't want to go to, I don't want to get out and go to school. I don't want to freaking, you know, I don't All know right. what I'd want to do other than this.
1: Well, at this point, too, you're in your mid 20s now. I mean, probably my, early mid 20s. Early, early 20s. Okay, yeah. early 20s. So it's like, yeah, like that, <laughs> yeah. Kind, of, that kind of college atmosphere aspect probably passed you by mentally yeah. where you're like, that sounds sick to go yeah. hang out with a bunch of fucking teenagers at this it's, point. And, and I've
2: already, I mean, I wouldn't say I've I, gone to combat, but like, you know, you already did shit. I though. did, I did shit. You know, have seen in, more, in other countries. You're, yeah. you've seen more than the average. Absolutely.
1: the average civilian has at that point already. So.
2: so, so, I reenlisted, um, and I went back to Hawaii because I, I mean, it was okay. freaking, yeah. it was awesome. And I was like, you know, um, I was thinking about you know doing a a more high speed unit and all this stuff, and I was like, uh, um, I don't know, man, I you, you kind of. Reevaluate. You kind of evaluate yourself like, man, I don't have what these guys have. And, you know, you kind of, you downplay it. like, oh, man, I'm not going to, I couldn't make that. I couldn't do that. I couldn't Mm -hmm. go to ranger school. I couldn't be, I couldn't go to ranger Regiment. I I couldn't go SF or CAG or anything like that. Um, I don't have what it takes. So you kind of, you know, you know, you're, you know, you do, but you kind of like, you look at these guys, you put them way up high on this pedestal, which, Mm -hmm. you know, they are. Um, because they're, I mean, well, they're,
1: the, once they get done and the government spends a lot of money on like a special operator. And when you're in that community, it's like you are at that point, you are the best of the best, you yeah. know, like yeah. you're, you're the d- best that they have to offer. Like, you're the tip of the spear, the tip of the spear. You're the, yeah. the, spear. You're, the yep. you're the most highly trained individuals in the entire country. Yeah. So yep. as a teenager or early, or early young 20s, adult, I'm like, you're like, do I really have what it takes to be the best you don't in don't see the that. country it, when it comes to a certain task like yeah. that. It's like,
2: and it yeah. was, and it was kind of like a, um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like a self evaluation, but it's like, you know, I, I had to be realistic with myself. I'm like, am I really mature enough to be there? Because it's just like you're saying, are like, I'm 20 something years old. Like, dude, I'm still wet behind the ears. Yep. Um, and, uh, so anyway, I said, screw it. I'm, I'm going back to Hawaii. So I went back to Hawaii and I was there for three years. Um, and, I really did a lot of surfing then. I mean, I, <laughs> dude, I would, I would surf every day after work if I could. Um, and then on the weekends I'd get up at five o'clock in the morning. I'd do a dawn patrol, get up, go down there, um, to the, uh, to the beach and stuff like that. And before the sun comes up, cause you know, the sun comes up, it's the waves are super clean and it's not mm-hmm. real windy and they're not blown out and, um, surf as much as I can. Um, and uh yeah, I just freaking I lo- loved it. And near the near the the third year that I was there, um I said, you know what? I go, uh, I think I'm ready. So I volunteered, I went to ranger school um in uh what was it, ninety nine I graduated December third, ninety nine. It was freaking cold. And uh graduated ranger school, went back to Hawaii and um the the way it was back then, I'm sure it still is now is if a unit sends you to ranger school, they invested a lot of time, a lot of money, you know, unit yep. funds and stuff to send you to that school. Yeah. It's not um, cheap. For sl- unit yeah. To go it's to not. So you owe them a year, you know, yeah. to, to give back and give back the, the leadership and stuff like that. You learn and stuff while well, you're in school. That's the thing that a lot of people, especially probably
1: listeners, they think of ranger school and rangers as being, you know, mm-hmm. like you do this really hard task, but at the end of the day, like Ranger school is a leadership course. Absolutely. Yep. So you're doing a lot of hard shit. And it's very physically taxing, very mentally taxing, mm-hmm. but it's a leadership course. Like when you get done with ranger school, you're expected to have all these small unit tactics, yep. training. Like This is embedded in your brain now. So, so you take that ranger tab, and it looks cool on your uniform too. Oh yeah. And then you yeah. go back to your unit, and you disseminate the information that you got from ranger school to yeah. your to your. Soldiers and shit. Yeah. So,
2: so yeah. So, so the, those of you that don't know. So, Ranger School is exactly what you're saying. Is it's a leadership school, but it's basically getting getting guys to do you know uh, tasks or missions be able to complete missions successfully and stuff like that under really adverse circumstances, like you would find in combat. Obviously, they try to replicate the combat scenario and stuff like that in in a peacetime training scenario. As much as they can, but they also do it through sleep deprivation, food deprivation. Um, I mean, it's it's. I mean, you. I think we average. So the course is about sixty-two days long. Mm-hmm. We averaged uh, about forty-five minutes of sleep a night for for sixty-two days and on one meal a day. <laughs> so I mean, I think I lost about twenty-five pounds. So it's a good weight loss program. Yeah, you know? perfect. Honestly. Um, um, how much did you wait going into it though? I don't, I don't know. Probably, going going into the army. I was like a buck 40. Yeah. Okay. I was Nothing. So let's say then, you
1: gained a little weight while you're I gained army. a little weight. So you know. you're 160 pounds. So you lose 20 pounds. That's a lot of fucking weight to lose. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I
2: was, you were a fat body. I looked like Skeletor. Yeah. Yeah. You
1: weren't an, inf, you, were, you were an infantryman. So you're 11 Bravo yep. going into it. So you're not a fat body, fucking no loser. Like you're already no. fit and ready to go. Like, they and I'm, you.
2: I'm not sitting on my ass on me. I'm surfing and yeah. I'm doing. I'm staying active and stuff like that. So, so you lose 20 pounds. That's a significant amount of weight. It's it's a lot. And and at the end of it, you're not burning fat. I mean, because I didn't have at that time, I didn't have a lot of fat on me. So you, I mean, you you, you all you're doing is burning your muscle. I mean, it's yeah. you stink. You stink. You. It's freaking horrendous. Um, but anyway, it's, it's a great school. It's a great, you know, teaching, um, to, like I said, to get guys to do the hard task when they don't want to do it, when they're, when they're not being evaluated and stuff like that under those stressors and all this kind of stuff. Um, and obviously learn those small unit tactics, those ambushes, those raids, those, you know, uh, reconnaissance stuff, all the, all the tools that you'd use in a, in a, in a mission. Mm -hmm. Um, and no sleep, no food. It freaking sucks. Because Ranger School
1: <laughs> Ranger School spans what two or three different
2: states? Three states,
3: three states. Well, two states, two okay, states. Okay, two sorry. states. So, you're...
2: so you start in Fort Benning, Georgia. That's the the Derby phase, Then you go up to Dahlonega, Georgia, which is the mountain phase. You do a lot of mountain climbing, all that kind okay. of stuff. Yep. And then you go down to the swamps down in uh, the Panhandle, of Florida. Yep. And that's uh, the, the, swamp the swamp phase, phase Florida yep. phase. Yep. Yep. So it's three phases, um, and it's it's really strenuous. It's just go go go, and I mean you're, yeah, you're. You're you're moving all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yep. <laughs> so, so that little you know that, that
1: ranger tab comes with a lot of extra work. But like you yeah, said too, yeah. like your unit sent you there and it's expensive. That training's not cheap yeah. for the unit and every unit has their own funding. So they yep. only have X amount of dollars to spend on training and especially training one singular person. Yeah. Like that's a big ask, especially of a unit like twenty fifth ID where it's not yep. you know, it's it's not eighty second airborne where they have a maybe they have a bigger budget than twenty yep. fifth, like twenty fifth ID is more of your standard, like, leg infantry yeah, yep, units, right? Yeah, yep, So it's not – you're not jumping over <clears throat> airplanes, you're I mean, it's light infantry still, but it's mm-hmm. not – it's not like – 82nd or 173rd you know so a little bit smaller Um, budget probably to send guys to ranger school
2: yeah so when you you come back with your ranger tab you know on your shoulder and stuff like that obviously you get a lot of street creds you know you like (laughs) this freaking this dude's hard as nails you know um and uh so anyways so the unit wants to kind of recoup the time and effort and energy that they put into you um getting that training and stuff like that and kind of uh, kind of distill those, those, uh, skills and, and everything like that. in their younger troops and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of s- spread the knowledge. Mm-hmm. Were um, you, were you at E E5 at this point too? I was, or, uh, yeah, so. yeah, I was at E5. Okay. I was yep. E5. Um, so what they do is they, they retain you for a year. Mm-hmm. So they say, Hey, you cannot leave this unit for a year because we want to get some work out of you. Yep. You know, um, so within six months, um, we had a special forces recruiter come to uh, there in Hawaii and, and, uh, he came and did a briefing. I was like, dude, I'm gonna go to this briefing, you know? Yeah, and sure. uh, so I went to, this, I went to the briefing and kind of. Learned about you know like the prerequisites like you know uh you know your time you know how much time you had in the army you, you qualify mm-hmm. you know at a certain rank and you know what your you gotta be twenty one yeah twenty one your GT score which is your you know your testing scores and all that kind of stuff um kind of all all the stuff that you would need to know I'm like yeah I fit, I fit all that I, mm-hmm. I I got all that except for this whole one year thing that this aren't the unit wants to keep me and at the time I was I was in a scout platoon. Okay. So I was doing, I was doing some, you know, the, the sniper piece and all that kind of stuff. I hadn't gone to sniper school, but I was still, I was a sniper squad leader. And, uh, I was like, dude, I want to, I need, you know, I can do, I can do ranger school. I let's, let's, let's try this special forces thing. So I talked to a recruiter. I said, check this out, man. Um, I just graduated ranger school, you know, about four or five months ago. And, uh, I want to go to selection. I go, you know, do I have any hiccups or anything? Is there anything I need to know that is going to prevent me from going? You know, they say that I need to stay here for a year. Um, so he goes, "No, dude, you're good to go." Mm-hmm. He goes, "Let's uh, let's start your paperwork." So we started a packet and everything like that. And my first sergeant caught a, got a got a whiff of that, and he was <laughs> pissed. Um, oh, he fun. was like, "Oh hell no! You want to go and do this and stuff? You owe me a year, and I had to get the." The SF recruiter to call them, call the first sergeant and tell them no, you know, obviously the special forces. Okay. So that's the thing; like, trumps they,
1: you. May, yeah, maybe maybe they have the same rank. Yeah, but if you have a, a long tab, yeah. like special forces first sergeant talking to a regular first sergeant, like yeah. regular army first sergeant, like you're no, you, go
2: pound sand. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Special forces takes priority. We're over We're taking anything. your guy if, if they want this, you if you fit the
2: bill. And this was uh, going to get you. This was before you know nine uh, eleven. This is like right before nine eleven. Okay. So so um got my packet all squared away, did the PT test and all that kind of stuff. Um went to Fort Bragg, North Carolina, did selection and uh, got selected. Okay. And they can, selected. He can
1: runs through the. Like, you don't have to spend a lot of time on selection, but can you run us mm-hmm. through kind of the stuff you can say about selection and how it so was? So
2: and... selection is basically it's a gut check and it's gonna see if you are mentally, physically. um capable to to uh to work on you basically be trusted and work on your own and, and all this stuff so mm-hmm. um there's a lot there's a lot of tasks to go in with a lot of walking a lot of running and all this stuff and and uh just for instance they'll they'll tell you to um you know these fire breaks in in the backwoods of north carolina and stuff and they'll say okay um your your task is to run to the finish point and you know don't take any you know serious lefts or right turns all this stuff or you know uh just follow the course and um your time starts now. You don't know how far you're running. You don't know if it's 2 miles, you know if it's 20 miles. Mm-hmm. So what they want to see is if you're going to be consistent. Okay. So so like if you're going to if you know it's 2 miles, you're going to give it your all and run as fast as you can for 2 miles. If yep. you know it's 20 miles, you're going to take your time and, you know, not kill yourself. Right. Um so basically you want to stay that consistency and then obviously with the ruck marches and all that kind of stuff. Um You know, you have a specified, specified weight that you have to have in your pack, Mm -hmm. you know, specified time that you have to line up, specified everything, you know, they want to see if you follow instruction, you follow them to a T and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Don't be light. Don't be late. And, and, uh. I forget the last one. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> anyway uh, it, was, it was many moons ago. But uh, don't be light and don't be late for sure. So yeah. they weigh your pack. You know, make sure. You know, obviously you want to make sure you're a couple pounds over just in case. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you got to think you're going to drink some water out of your pack, yep. you know, your your canteens and stuff. So. You gotta account for that, and again, let's say go. Cause
1: this, this is a big boy job here, it's you know. A, so yeah. it's not like basic training where the drill sergeants are coming in banging the trash can, get the fuck up, no, go do this, go do that. Like basically, hand, like hand in hand, like guiding you through these tasks. This is like, yeah. here's here's what you're doing. Do
2: you can it. you can suck because as much as you want on this if you want. Yeah. you know what I'm saying. You could you could do as great, or you could. It's a self evaluation, and it's it's. Uh, it's them evaluating to see how you're going to do without that direction. Right. You know, you have, you have a mission, you have a task at hand, but like, how are you going to handle this? So, and you know, the ruck marches and stuff like that, again, you're, you're going to 20, 15 miles. It doesn't, you know, you don't know how far you're going. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's, there's a portion of the, um, the selection is called team week. So you basically they kind of group you up in, in teams And you have different tasks Um, and one of the, you know, different scenarios and stuff like that. You have to get basically a duffel bag full of sand. They call it the Sandman uh, from point A to point B, you know, and work as a team. You have to kind of build a uh, um, build some kind of apparatus to carry this thing and simulate Mm -hmm. and kind of like a down pilot or something like that. And, you know, there's there's and a spec- specified, you know, an amount of time and, or move this, this Jeep that has two wheels from point A to yeah. point B. And it's, you know, you're going down Sandy fire brick roads and it's just a bunch of silly shit. It's, it's a time, bunch but. of silly shit, but it's, you know, and it, 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 weeds out people and a lot of I mean, it's, you're there, it's a volunteer thing and, and people quit and they like they go home. Yeah. This you isn't know. what I expected. It's a gut check. Yeah. Yeah, yep. for sure. Um, so anyway, um, so wrapping that up, I got selected, uh, went back to Hawaii I, again, for sure. I'm still pissed, <laughs> but I got selected. Yeah, it so, so I, so I did all the preparations and, uh, to get ready to move to North Carolina to start my training. And I remember sitting in my living room, I had a suitcase, a surfboard and a backpack and a TV in there. And I was given to my neighbor and I turned on the TV, and that's when I saw the tower fall. No shit. And I was like, oh, shit. I go, well, oh, this isn't good. That's. And I said, my Special Forces career is about to get freaking it's, – it's, it's, it's on. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I didn't really – I mean, I knew what Special Forces did, but I'm like, this is – we're going to war for sure. Yeah. So, um, obviously, I was in the middle of our process. I think I flew like two days later. Um, so I, I, I was, my flight was two days later. I flew out, went to, uh, Fort Bragg, North Carolina. I was thinking, I was thinking like, oh man, I'm a ranger. I'm, you know, you know, I'm freaking wars getting ready to freaking kick off and they're going to need me. They're, they're going to push this shit through. They're going to push me through. Yeah. No, we didn't push shit through, <laughs> no. you know, because, because you can't, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, you know, special, what's a, what's the saying is like special fortune. We can't be mass produced. Right. You know, yep. and it, it takes time to make a guy. Mm-hmm. It, it makes t- time to, uh, to uh, get those skill sets and to learn all those trade, that trade craft and all that stuff. So and that's what
1: makes that's what makes that group of soldiers so elite. Is that it does take time. To, it does be, to get there, and so, by the time you graduate from you know get your get your tab and your green beret, mm-hmm. you're expected to be immediately thrown to the wolves. Like if there's a war going on, oh yeah, Absolutely. just started. It's like right when you get done the training, you're off. Yeah, basically. So so
2: uh, so I, I was thinking, oh man, yeah. freaking Here it's on. Go. Hell yeah. yeah, let's go. And, uh, and, uh, no, that's not how it happened. Two years, two and a half years later, is, <laughs> you talk about time. Yeah. So, so my training took two and a half years. Um, uh, real quick, what was your, were you an 18 Bravo? I was an 18 Echo. 18 Echo. So, okay. Echo. so they, they chose me. So they chose, choo- choose, choose, I'm sorry. They choose the, <laughs> uh, um, your, uh, your military specialty, your special forces specialty based on test scores and stuff like that. There's a lot of, wazoo psychological tests and all that stuff and and i don't know maybe if uh if you're a booger eater you know you uh maybe you'll get a be a 18 bravo weapons guy which you know <laughs> you know eater. yeah so so uh i don't know maybe if you paid a little bit more attention in class and stuff in high school and did good on tests you'd be a, a medic at 19 or yeah 18 delta but, uh, so anyway, I was at 18 Echo, which was, you know, not a Delta, but a, uh, you know, I was a communications guy. So yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, fucking communications guy, you shit me. Fucking radio man, seriously, like, guys? Dude, <laughs> no, man. I remember, I remember playing with the little green army men, you know, and like, oh, the freaking radio dude over there looks like a douchebag. I wanted the guy with the freaking gu- machine gun, right? right? Yeah. I want to be like, hey, Camo, like, come fix yeah, this radio. I don't want to be the Verizon guy. I'm <laughs> yeah, like, right. fuck, hey, you hear me now? No. So, <laughs> so I'm like, fuck whatever so uh, you know i'll get at least get me on the teams and we'll you know we'll well we'll, i'll address this later yeah yeah. so so anyway so i started my my uh you know communications training with the special forces and uh at that time we had to learn morse code so i did seven weeks of morse code training holy shit yeah seven weeks of morse code training here in dits and dots i stopped uh, doing that in world war ii Uh, no we, (laughs) No. we we did it yeah um I actually communicated several messages and stuff like that, um, just by keying a hand mic on the radio. Oh, really? Because you can, you know. Yep. Yeah. Because, and they couldn't hear what we were saying, but like, it was yep. pretty, it was pretty cool, um, that I'm like, oh shit, I actually remember this. Yeah. But it was funny during that, during that, uh, during that <laughs> Morse code training, um, I remember laying in my apartment one more Saturday morning, and I hear the fucking trash truck backing up, beep, beep, beep. I'm like, oh, that's a fucking O. I'm like, okay. I'm like, wait a minute. That's a fucking trash truck. I go, that's a oh my o. God, <laughs> I'm losing my freaking mind. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> like, that's an O. I was like, oh my God. I go, this shit's got to end. So anyway, so we did, uh, we did all, the, you know, you, there's different phases within the qualification course of special forces and you know, just the, your job, you know, whether you're a medic, you're, uh, you know, uh, engineer, a uh, communications guy or a uh, weapons guy. Um, the, they all vary in length. Obviously the, the medic is the longest, yeah, the longest course out there, obviously, because you, you know, you not only learn prescription stuff, you also learn dentistry and trauma and, you know, you Field do surgery. Yeah, you do. Shit. I mean, you do, um, uh, stints in like, uh, trauma wards and stuff in mm-hmm. in major cities in the country, you know, to get yep. exposed to gunshot wounds, knife wounds, all that kind of stuff. Yep. So, um, communications, you know, it's, it's long because obviously the Morse code piece and there's a, there's a lot to it, learning all kinds of different radios and communications and, and, uh, the, you know, secure networks and, you mm-hmm. know, ways to send messages and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of common uh, equipment in the army and you're probably expected to know all of it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because like not, not only do I need to know my stuff, but also I need to know other country stuff. Yep. Yep. So, yep. and, uh, <clears throat> you know, even, you know, um, us force stuff, you know, um, I need to at least have a familiarity of how their systems work and all that mm-hmm. stuff, you know, different units and, you know, uh, whether it be, a Uh, a national guard unit or a big army unit or like your specialized you know uh, equipment we would use on the teams so um so it did all that um you do a final you know final exercise and and then once you're once you're done with all the the actual hands-on training and all that stuff then you go to language school and your language school is your language that you're you're assigned is based on your the the group that you're going to go to. So
1: at this point, do you know, you don't know what group you're going to? Until well, it's,
2: it, it, it kind of, yeah, you, you kind of do because you're like, Hey, you're going to learn Arabic. You're going to go to fifth group.
1: Right. Yeah. But, uh, before that, before you get to language school, all, throughout all of your, I think, radio it, training, they don't really tell you. No,
2: that. Okay. no, it was, it was right. You know, as you are trying to assign you, because you have to do a D lab. It's called a differential no, sure.
1: aptitude battery or whatever. So it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a, like Christmas when you get assigned to your language, like
2: kind of. Uh, no, I kind of know. It's, what it's kind your of like a nightmare. <laughs> a nightmare. It's like, it's like, oh shit. I might be freaking I don't know, I might be somewhere I don't want to be. Right. Yeah. But I mean regardless you're doing cool special forces stuff and right. you know, I mean so it can't be all that bad. Yep. Um so they picked me for Spanish because like, apparently I sucked at that D lab so Spanish is probably the easiest <laughs> yeah. language. So I'm like I'll <laughs> take it. Dude. It's freaking I'll take it. Uh, so I did Spanish for four months and basically that's your that's your job mm-hmm. every day. So you got a – there's a civilian instructors who you do, you know, civilian classes, you know Learning Spanish for four months. And then at you the end of that, it? huh? You still know it? Yeah. You still speak P- fluently? Por supuesto. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I mean, of course. Of okay. course. <laughs> That's um, awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm obviously a little rusty, but I'm sure I could piss somebody off. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, after that, um, the final phase, obviously, I think now they've switched up all the phases. So everything's in a different order and stuff like that. But you, you go through all the same training. Um, but we went to you go to SEER school, so which is yep. survival, escape, resistance and invasion. So basically you go and get your you try to you know, um you try to evade back to friendly lines and you get captured and they beat the shit out of you. You know <laughs> necessarily beat the shit out of you, but like it they, seems like the you They know, call it torture
1: training, but yeah. without like the quote-unquote torture part yeah, yeah. so um
2: <laughs> there were some actual some really i can't really talk a lot about it but there's no, a lot of funny so, there's a lot of funny stuff that happened yep. in there um but it is it's a gut check um it's a i mean it, the whole thing is a, a gut check and stuff like that
1: so um are people getting are people washing out through each phase and stuff too or at that point so kind of like yeah All right, so hey.
2: you will wash out yeah guys will wash out and stuff like that. they won't make the cut and they'll get sent back to regular army Okay. Or or you get recycled or something. I I don't know if they recycle anymore or what. But um, I heard they do if it's an injury. Yeah. But so so a like failure, a then... like if you fail out as a medic, then they they might send you well, yeah. to a, you know like a Bravo tree yeah, you know, Bravo <laughs> or you know engineer or something yeah. like that. But if you fail out as a Bravo, see you see. later. You, you need to go freaking eat some boogers over there <laughs> you know what I'm saying? so 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 uh so um so this year training it is yep. probably one of the most realistic training and some of the best training um that i've ever experienced um it you learn a lot and learn a lot about yourself mm-hmm. um some well I, I would tell you a story, but I don't know if Peter would, Peter would be all, all, yeah. all over me, but, um, I, I have,
1: I have some friends that went through Sears school and yeah, yeah but I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so we'll, we'll talk offline yeah. about this. Um,
2: maybe, maybe we'll bring me on for another one yeah, right. and, uh, and I'll tell the story, but, yeah. uh, so, so, uh, finished up Sears school and that was, I think it was like three weeks. Something like that. I don't know. It seemed like eternity. But anyway, you're done in the year. You actually, and then you go to your group. So I went to 7th Special Forces Group. So our area of operation is uh, primarily Central and South America. Mm-hmm. So obviously the Spanish. Yep. Um, so all the Special Forces groups throughout, you know, um, throughout Special Forces, they all have their own designated area of operation and stuff like that. So. Um, our central South America. So we did a lot of stuff down, uh, Colombia. Colombia, um, you name the country down there. Uh, mm-hmm. we, I don't think we were really in, um, Brazil at the time or, Benis- oh, or yeah. Venezuela, yep. uh, but like everywhere else I've basically yeah. done stuff in there. So, and, uh, like well,
1: and also at that time, there's a lot of shit happening too. Uh
2: there's a, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, obviously, you know the global war on terrorism kicked off a couple of years prior yep. or so. We're really busy over in the in the desert. Yep. So Iraq and Afghanistan are kick, kicking off and stuff like that. So when we weren't over playing in the desert, um, we were down in Central and South America or train and stand, stand up on our skill sets and stuff like that here in the in the country. Because so, even, <sighs> even with the war on terror kicking off and spending a lot
1: of time out in the desert, you still – because each – like you said, each um, social forces group has their own area of operation. Mm-hmm. You still have to maintain those areas Absolutely. of operations even if you're even if there's a war in the desert somewhere. Yeah. You just have to spend more time kind of away from home yeah. going to so your area of operations as well.
2: On average, um, you know, like a like a regular army guy or a national guard guy, um, some some are extended longer than others, but like they would be gone, you know. I remember, you know, you you would hear they were gone. For, you were gone for over a year. Yeah, yeah. So like a year and a half or something like that.
1: Yep, I, like so, I was I was over there for a year. Yeah, and then some guys were in Iraq for almost two years. And yeah, yeah. kind of,
2: So you're so so. Let's let's say on average a year. So a regular army unit, like let's say an eighty second airborne. Went standard. over there for a year. Yep. So they usually had, didn't they have kind of like a mid tour leave or something yep. like that? They kind of go home, you know, for a couple of weeks and, right. and then kind of refit and, yep. and get their head together and then go back over there. So so that's year gone for a year. And then you probably won't deploy again for probably another couple of years because of the way the rotation would kind of work. It all depends yep. on the it unit. It all depends on the unit. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, Generally, that's so, what happened. Yeah. So as a Green Beret, like we would deploy and we were gone. Whether it's six months over in Iraq Afghanistan and then come home for a week and then go down to Central South America so we're gone on average about nine months out every year yep. so nine months out every year for you know your 20 year career or your let's say I did eleven years in special forces mm-hmm. that's a long time it's a long fucking time because yeah. your
1: your deployments are shorter but they're way more frequently and they're everywhere and they're everywhere so yeah, yeah you might yeah. have you might only spend uh you know six months in Iraq yeah. But then, yeah, you get a week off. And you have to go down to South, Central South and then, America. And not,
2: not only that, then. So I was on a, uh, I was in a specialty company. that's called a SIF. Um, <clears throat> Charlie Company, Third Battalion, Seventh Special Forces Group. And so I was on a sniper detachment, and we would have to stay maintain our sniper qualifications and stuff. Mm-hmm. So we would go and do long range shooting and stuff in Texas and stuff like that. We would also have our Halo, which is our high altitude, low opening free fall parachuting, um, skill set that we need to maintain. So we would go out to Eloy, Arizona and do halo qualify, uh, train ups and all this stuff. So you're not only playing in the desert, you're not only playing in central South America. You're also doing all these other training events and stuff like that in, in the States, in the States. Yep. And it's, yeah, it's not good for the family. No. Yeah. No, Families don't like that. <laughs> no,
1: it, it's one of those things where, you know, Hmm. So when you, if you got a wife mm-hmm. and you decide to join the army and it's like yeah all right that sounds cool like yeah let's, let's do that and you don't th- you never really realize how taxing it is mm-hmm. you can hear the stories and you can talk to people and like yeah we're gone all the time like okay they're gone all the time but you don't realize how th- what that actually means until yeah. you're doing it yeah <laughs> and when you're gone all the time it's like even in the regu- regular army uh like especially You know, after 9-11 happened, you know, you did have a lot of dudes. Okay. So the regular army, we, if we deployed for a year, say you spend, you know, you have a three year, um, you're in, in, uh, your unit for three years. Mm -hmm. You spend one of those years. Hey, that last, the last year you're in that unit you're spent over in Iraq and then you go to, then you trans, then you PCS to a different unit and then they are getting ready to deploy. So kind of like, like the Haiti thing. Kind of like the Haiti thing. Yeah. There's a lot of dudes that in the regular, regular army where they're, you know, in their unit and then they, you know, PCS to a different unit and then they immediately go back over. Cause it's like, well, shit, yeah, you want to have yeah. some time off, but sometimes it doesn't happen. There's re- dudes in the regular army that were deploying all the time. Not obviously not to the, that extent, but you know, you have you talked a lot. of like, but on my, you know, Twenty years. I was in the army. I spent, you know, oh shit! Actually, I, I spent twelve of them in Afghanistan. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of dudes out there like that. Yeah. But it's, you guys uh, would be constantly just gone. Like when they were home, they were kind of they're home. They did some training, yeah. but they, they didn't have the certifications that you had in order to keep up with. So you yeah. guys were fucking constantly gone.
2: So yeah, you uh, you really, you know, I mean your your brothers in arms and stuff, your teammates and stuff like that. Those are those are more your family than than your own family. Absolutely. You know, and it's. It's kind of weird to say, and it's kind of like a, a you know a, a civilian. I don't think they could re- really wrap their head around it because unless they're placed in that situation and stuff like that, and that's why obviously the divorce rate in the military is like skyrocketed, especially in oh, special insane. forces. Like, dude, I think they issue divorce papers when you go to the team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably because it's like, hey, you know, hey, welcome to the team. Here's your gear, and here's your divorce papers. You yeah. go ahead and have her sign those. What are you talking about? I love my <laughs> wife. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's just wait. Um, just yeah. wait, it's it's coming. Yeah. So. That is the thing.
1: in the regular yeah. army, I think the divorce it's the divorce rate's like 70%. Yeah. In SF it's got to be. I remember um
2: <laughs> I remember one year in my company uh and like there was I mean we had some support guys and stuff in in that unit. And there was I want to say there was 30 some 35 divorces and there was like maybe 70 of us operators. Shit. freaking crazy. Crazy. Jeez. Because op. The, the op tempo is so insane, yeah, and just like I and mean,
1: it, it's hard to fault you know, it's hard to fault any party. You know, it's one of those things. No. Where you're out there doing your job, but at the same time, it's like, man that's not that's not easy and it's, staying home with and it's with I the, mean, you, your your husband gone all the and, time.
2: And they they yeah, I, I know. Yeah, and uh, they you know, it's not that these the operators and stuff, and that you know, my teammates and. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a victim of it myself. And it's not that we don't love our family. Um, it's just like the op tempo and you feel, you always feel like you're, if you can't go on that mission, you can't do this. I mean, that's your job. I mean, obviously they're paying mm-hmm. you money to do this. You spent a lot of your, a lot of your time training to be this guy and you like, Hey, you want to put me in coach? You, yeah. know, you know what I'm saying? Hey, I want to go, I want to go play.
1: Well, if you, if you, if you miss out on a you know, a segment of training or a deployment, even mm-hmm. worse. Say you, say you, you get injured, you miss a deployment that eats at you. Oh yeah. You know? You're yeah. like, my boys are over there. I need to be with my boys yeah. and I can't for whatever reason it eats at you. And yeah. it, uh, <clears throat> it's hard to explain to, you know, civilians what that means. Like, well, she, you, you earn, you didn't earn, maybe you deserve some time off mm-hmm. if you're injured or whatever else. It's like, but yeah. you don't want it. it's like, man, my boys are there. I need to be and here the, be there. So you're, it's constant in the back of your mind.
2: And you know how dangerous that job is. So yeah. it's like
1: anything can happen.
2: And so. we, we are as special operators. We're our worst. Uh, we're our worst enemy. Um, yeah. Because we hide injuries. Um, just to go on that deployment, just to do that mm-hmm. training, just to do all that stuff, you know? So at the end of the day, when you go to retire and stuff and, and they say, Oh, why didn't you, why isn't all this stuff in your medical record? And it's like, like, dude, cause I've hidden all this shit Yeah. because I, I love my job and I want to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. I still, I, I love jumping out of planes. You know, I love, do, you know, shooting dudes in the face or whatever. Yeah. Um, if I told so, you my back was fucked up, then I would miss my halo yeah. jumps. But, then you, but then, you, <laughs> then you get the, you know, the, uh, the clerk there behind the desk who, when he, when, you know uh they go to get out and they have hundred percent disability and stuff like that and all they do is type up papers or whatever. Yeah. Um and then you without all any of this proof, you've been doing being like Green Beret doing Green Beret shit for twenty years. Like where's um, your LODs? And now you're like you raise your hand like, hey yeah, okay, by the way, yeah. I, I'm really
1: jacked up. Yeah. Like well where are the LODs, the line of yeah, oh, was it line of line of duty? Line paperwork? of duty, yeah. Where's yeah. your yeah. line where's your L O D at saying that you got injured in the state? Like, yeah. Well it's not there because I didn't fucking go to the doctor. I had my medic fucking patch me yeah. up and send me out of my
2: Because that's how Wart get won. Exactly. Not not by the freaking – the the dude going on sick call every day. Right. You know, so so it's I don't know, it's um and that's why that, that dude that's that goes on sick call every day didn't didn't get selected and go to, you know, be a Green Beret. Yeah. You know, that's why the guy that that has the green beret, he's on the team. Doesn't go he's sick doing this shit. He doesn't go sit <laughs> call because he's he sucked it up and rubbed dirt on it and freaking went yeah. out there and freaking fought.
1: Yeah, he did it for twenty years and then yeah. you get out and they're like, whoa, 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 what the fuck? Yeah, like how would you even? How did you not get kicked out of the teams after yeah. all those It's Like, well, because yeah. exact that reason. Well, and I mean, it doesn't I,
2: it doesn't hurt to have a medic on your team that, that, right. that has some skill sets. It's <laughs> basically a, a, a field surgeon. So yeah. <laughs> kind of a I don't know, kind of a you got a you know, a Mr. Fix it there yeah. on the team. So, yeah.
1: Cause, uh, I was listening to a, a, a Joe Rogan podcast mm-hmm. and he had Mike Glover on and he was kind of saying the same shit you were just saying where yeah. when he got out of the military and he was an SF and everything else. Um, and he's like, he's like, yeah, I, you know, did this stuff and the VA was kind of fucking me around. Like, how the fuck are you this jacked up? And there's yeah. no proof. He's like, well, because I wanted to stay on my fucking team yeah. and be part of the fight. So I can't That's say it. that shit when I'm on a team. Yeah. So, yeah.
2: Yeah, it eats at you if you can't go on a deployment or go to a training. Even if it's just training, you know, um, it does. It it'll, it'll eat at you. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. So, um, then so you did that for you had a long career doing that and very successful careers. So you retired as an E eight, you said. I retired as an E eight. Yep. So, I mean, you had a long, successful career doing that. Yeah. So and I then,
2: I did a lot of cool uh cool schools. I mean, I was on a, a a scuba team. I was on a Halo team. I was on a um. I can't really say what kind of team it was, but, um, (laughs) I was on a bunch of different teams, a lot of specialty teams and stuff like that. Did a lot of high Mm -hmm. altitude jumps and, um, sniper stuff. And so I was very fortunate in my, in my career, special forces career to, uh, to go to these schools and get this training and all this stuff, this set. Um, so, but now I'm a civilian, which is, it's kind of, you know, it kind of, it's kind of a blow. Um, so I retired when I retired, um, Right before I retired, I was, cause I was, I was really injured. My, my right arm, I have a lot of nerve damage and stuff like that. I, I really can't feel my right hand anymore anyway. Um, so I've, so I've gone through, I've had four, I mean, I've had a, a, probably 15, 20 different surgeries and stuff trying to repair my arm and trying to get use of my arm. Um, I contemplated amputating my right arm at mm. one point. Well, um, sure. Yeah. So because the nerve damage and everything was going, so was so poor and it was, uh, it wasn't repairing itself. Like Mm. the nerves, they repair themselves like a centimeter a month and uh, it wasn't getting there. So I had all kinds of uh, syndromes where, you know, it was excruciating pain and all this stuff. I'm like, dude, if I just cut this thing off and put a freaking hook on it, I don't freaking care. Something different. Yeah. you know, than this but, um But luckily, um, I, you know, I got a good doctor friend who uh, my pain management guy who talked me out of it and could just give it, give it six more months, give it six more months, you know, give it, you know, I'm like, God, dang, Mike, we're two years. Um, and he said, just, just stick with it, man. I think you can get some use out of it. So a lot of surgeries to kind of get, you know, reconstructive surgeries, basically taking parts out of my leg and putting them in my hand and all this kind of stuff. Jeez. Yeah. It was, it was a nightmare. So, Holy shit. so I tried to do, I wanted to do 25 years. So yeah. I only got to 20 years and that's when all these injuries kind of, kind of really all manifested and, and, you know, all that wear and tear. And, uh, basically I said, Hey, you, you can't play anymore. So mm-hmm. that's a that's a punch in the gut. Yeah. You know, something you really want to do and something you think I I think I'm good at it. I thought I was really good at it. Um I'm obviously I'm sitting here, so you know, I dodged enemy enemy fire pretty good. So. Yeah, right. You did something, <laughs> um, right? Yeah, I did some of it, right? Yeah. So, well and and you
1: stayed on the team for, for all, so long, eleven years, et yeah. right? cetera. So, so like, you were I on spent, there doing that shit I spent for a long nine time.
2: Nine years in that sif company. Um, nine years nine years. Com- so it's typically you usually stay about two years so i was i because i've heard this the SIF company and
1: generally it's a short-lived program it's a short-lived yeah it's fucking it's
2: it's high tempo and it's really taxing um i was a salter for for one year um went to iraq so i was on an assault team and then i came back and the the recce recce team you know asked me to come down and so i did the sniper halo piece and Mm -hmm. ended up being a being a, you know, sniper section leader and stuff like that and team sergeant and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So, you know, I've, I've did, done several and I was actually the, the acting sergeant major for a while. So I was actually, um, I did a lot of those roles in that mm-hmm. company and for nine years in that company, it's, I've seen and done a lot of stuff in that company and, and, uh, worked with a, do- a lot of different agencies and stuff, you know, um, which it was, I mean, that experience is cool. Um, right. So, so anyway, um, so, so as I was
1: go ahead real quick with your with your arm was mm-hmm. that is it just wear and tear was there a specific injury or I, I had a like- crush
2: yeah I had a crush injury basically it was a uh, up to my collarbone so I basically snapped my collarbone and it was almost a compound fracture holy shit so. The army and in their infinite infinite wisdom uh, decided not to fix it. And They say, "Oh yeah, we're just gonna we're just gonna let it heal."
1: Here's some ibuprofen. Right here. Here. Yeah. here
2: change your socks. You know, face out. <laughs> drink water, Ranger. Yeah, right. <laughs> so so anyway, so uh, about a month later, my team was we were going down to Paraguay to do some stuff. So we went down there and we were doing a jump with a Paraguayan army. So I jumped. You know, um, so I really noticed a lot of problems with that. Obviously, you're shooting with. You know, it's on my right shoulder. So it was a big calcified ball where that collarbone is. And, uh, so anyway, jumping out of a plane, you know, I had to put the risers of the parachute off to the side of my collarbone, mm-hmm. you know, jump out of the plane. And freaking when it opens up, I'm just basically dangling from the parachute. All right, cool. No harm, no foul. But I also noticed that like when I put my arms above my head, my arm goes numb. Oh, shit. so I'm like, that's not good. No, you gotta be because so, you're, you're. This is a halo jump. No, this line. this was a this was a stack line. Oh, it's a stack so, line. Okay, yeah, stack line jump. So, it, it, I mean, it's it. Yeah, that was. I mean, it's, it is a big deal. I guess you can't do yeah. your arm, you know. Right. but You're parachuting, but this <laughs> is a pull. You're still supposed to do this, right? Yeah, you're bit. still supposed <laughs> to, you know, uh, somewhat land safely. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, so I was PLF. like, <laughs> I was like, man, when I when I get back, I need to I need to really look at this, and uh, so. You know, some docs looked at me and stuff like that. And they determined what I, what was going on and say, Hey, we're going to, we need to re-break that. And they sent me up to UNC Chapel Hill. They re-broke it. So kind of put a plate on there, fix some things. Um, so after that healed, um, so the, the artery that goes by underneath the first rib and the collarbone ended up becoming occluded kind of pinched off because mm-hmm. of the, you know start the bone start healing itself mm-hmm. and the calcification and all that. stuff So start pinching it off and uh that's where I was losing the feeling in my arm. Yeah, no blood flow. No blood flow. Yeah. So I'm like that I kind of need that. Yeah, that's not and, good. Uh, <laughs> I mean freaking Green beret I mean you kind of need I mean I've seen Rambo but you know it's yeah. It's kind of still movie. <laughs> yeah. So so anyway, um so so, they say, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a bypass. So, they did a bypass. So, they fixed that artery. They just re, they they rerouted it, was, it? No, they put some uh, um, synthetic material, like, you know, grafted it, whatever. Oh, okay. To try to fix it. Um, and that, beca- that collapsed on itself. So, they had to go in there and they do another surgery and they took the first rear belt. And then they redid that again That's some adam and eve shit dude. oh dude they so they took the first yeah they took the first rib out so i'm like no guys no i can't y- you know i need my
1: rib yeah so <laughs> right so anyway
2: um so it's underneath the collarbones you don't really know it's gone right so it's just opened up that space even more she's not gonna get pinched off so they ended up Fuck, dude. I yeah can't so imagine that. i'm just trying to imagine like
1: taking that rib out and being like you know, being the doctor, like, yeah, okay, this is how we're... Well, All I, right, now he's good. So, so, <laughs> I mean, so, so
2: being the freaking snake eater that I am, I asked him if I could freaking keep that. I was like, dude, when you guys cut that thing out, I go, put it in a jar because I want yeah. it. It's mine. Right. Shit. It's my mm-hmm. rib, dude. I want to yeah. keep that. They're like, no, we actually, when we take it out, it's kind of crunched, it's kind of crunched up. And I'm like, oh, okay, dude. put it in a jar. Dude, <laughs> come on, dude. People keep their kidney stones. It's like, Whatever. So anyway, so I didn't, get to keep, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't get to keep my freaking rib. Fishing Like a Local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing Like a Local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too. No matter where you are, discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. But, uh, anyway, oh well. um, so, so that was what the second or third bypass or something like that. And then they, you know, it started to do kind of do the same thing. And, um, so this is where it really went haywire from my career. Um, so the third bypass, so I had a, I was in down in, um, uh, near Eglin air force base, Florida. That's where our special forces group moved from Fort Bragg, North Carolina down to Eglin air force base. Oh, okay. so we had a new home down there, a uh, new compound and everything like that. And, uh, so anyways, I end up seeing a, and it, it, meantime, I'm still deploying. I'm still doing stuff, you know, I'm, I'm healing up here and deploying and healing up training. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still active. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so the, uh, um, this air force surgeon said, he goes, Oh, I can fix it. He goes, yeah, I, I can fix it. So I'm like, cool. He's gonna buy He's gonna do his magic and stuff. And he talked a big game. And I'm like, okay, cool. He's freaking, he well, must and, have, he must've done this a thousand yeah, times. He's and, an air force surgeon. And, so you're like,
1: yeah, they got it. Yeah.
2: And so, um, the, the previous surgeons were all civilians up in UNC Chapel Hill. So I thought oh, okay. they got they kind of had it sure. too, you know? Yeah. So anyway, and, uh, and, uh, obviously I'll let him know he knew my, the medical history behind the whole injury and uh, the whole, everything that's going on in there and all this stuff. So he ended up, um, so he did the surgery. So it was supposed to be a five and a half hour surgery. Ended up going over 12 hours long. Jeez. He lost control of the artery and he couldn't get it to stop bleeding. Oh, so, fuck. That's not good. Yeah. So I was bleeding out on the operating room table. Um, and he finally gained control of the artery with his forceps and he clamped, finally clamped it off. But when he did, he clamped the, uh, like a nerve bundle oh. that goes down my, my arm, you know, controls your, your arm. And, uh, so anyway, so 12 hours later I wake up and, or probably the next day I wake up in the ICU. My wife at the time was going freaking crazy, you know, like, really? hey, there's complications, you know. Usually like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, it was a freaking nightmare. So anyway, I wake up a couple of days later and uh, I'm in the ICU and I can't talk. I'm like, what the hell? because 'Cause I've been innovative for over twelve hours. So oh. they had the breathing tube and all that stuff down yeah, there. Yeah. So um not only that, so when he clamped that, he also um so he was trying to he was doing a bypass so the lower end low say the by the collarbone um he clamped off and then up by the uh the neck he was supposed to tie in this this uh bypass and uh so anyway when he did he stretched my laryngeal nerve so it's a nerve that goes to your voice box so that's why i couldn't talk i couldn't talk for two months yeah so yeah. you're sitting there in the hospital bed. And I can't talk. Train. I can't talk. You can't just ask, like, what the fuck?" I mean, going I, I kind of sound like, like, freaking Clint Eastwood when I talk. I could kind of, if I scream, you could barely kind of hear me. Holy shit. Yeah, I sound like Dirty Harry, and, <laughs> uh, and, and uh, not in a cool way. But yeah, anyway, no. <laughs> so, and I thought, you know, I was told, you know, by the staff and, you know, the surgeon and stuff like that, that it was because I was, you know, innovative for so long. And, uh kinda of went with that. Fuck, I don't know. I'm not a surgeon. I'm a freaking yeah. killer. Right. Right. So uh so anyway, we uh kind of got released after that and kinda of went home and kinda of healed up and I kinda of learned actually what happened and I was pissed dude. I was so pissed. Oh, fuck yeah um, dude. because obviously you know my career I, I see my career going down the, the yep. you know, down the tubes and like I said I was near twenty years. Yep. Um but I still you know I can't feel now I can't feel my arm. He he denied you know, that it was any wrongdoing on his part and all this stuff. And I had all these investigations done and it was just well, a nightmare. And,
1: and the thing that sucks too, is you can't sue someone in the, in the military. Mil- no. So yeah. you're like, so I had a, you can sue someone in the civilian world. There was a congressional about,
2: inquiry into it, you know, and I had my, my pain management doctor, you know, that was helping me at the time, you know, you know, because of that, him, I had a couple of the surgeons, my, um, uh, the, uh, group surgeon and they they went there testified and we had all these meetings and all this stuff and it was it was just a nightmare um and it was basically nothing came of it and except the end of my career
1: holy shit so um okay real quick um do you
2: think if you didn't have that surgery would you have been able to continue on I think so, but you know what, you know, they say everything happens oh, for a reason. Yeah, I think that, does. you know, who knows my next deployment, I could have bid it, you know, right. um, because, you know, unfortunately I've had, I got, I got a bottle sitting up there on the wall. that has got, it's got 15 names on the back of it mm-hmm. and it's all, all my buddies and stuff. And I take a yep. shot for them, you know, on, on Memorial day and stuff. But yep. so who knows that next trip? Yeah, you know it it could have been it could have been the one you know the next halo jump i could have had a total malfunction and not recover from it i I don't know
1: well that's the thing when you're living that life it's not just the the bullets you have to dodge it's all the training like the Mm -hmm. training itself is inherently inherently dangerous so you're not absolutely you try your best to mitigate all the as much risk as you can while you're training but you're still jumping from a fucking jumping from a plane (laughs) and when you're doing halo like it sounds cool like halo jumps Halo, yeah they Extra mass. They see the shit on TV. Yeah, it's all nice and quiet in there. Yeah. But dude, you're jumping high altitude, way my, up there. High. My highest
2: jump was uh we were actually doing a train up in Florida, and it was thirty one thousand feet. And the only the reason I know holy this, fuck that's so like had,
1: train, spy plane balloon shit. Yeah,
2: so we had a uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we had a uh, you know we had these little devices they called a dinner. You could put it's like a little computer about the size of your watch that you can put on the inside of your helmet and it has and it'll record your jump altitude your fall rate your opening altitude and all that kind of okay. stuff right yep so when i got on the ground you know it was two minutes of free fall two minutes of straight free fall so we That's jumped fucking up. insane dude. so it was florida so it was probably 80 90 degrees on the ground but you couldn't really dress for the temperature at altitude because you would die from heat so what yeah it was freaking so hot on the ground so if we put a lot of snivel on and stuff like that yeah when they opened a plane it was like negative 20 what the fuck At thirty one thousand. so obviously so we're breathing on oxygen we you know we we pre breathe. you know we had to level off you know the aircraft had to level off at a certain altitude for like 45 minutes for our our bodies our bloodstream the oxygen our bloodstream and stuff to to um to get right before we climb the altitude and we could, you know, break the seal on the aircraft and jump out. So we get to thirty one thousand feet, you know, our exit altitude and we get out and uh we were open at four thousand feet. Um so it's it was just a training jump. It was just a just to do it. So the only thing we were jumping <laughs> with was our uniforms um and oxygen. So holy shit. And uh so no rough as snow. And oh, it was cold. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a little chilly. It got a little nippy up there. And uh
1: your fucking balls so, just sucked right yeah, up in your
3: guts. <laughs> yeah. So when you,
2: so when we were going. You're, you know, the the older altimeters that we had. So it, it only goes like a clock. It only goes goes a twelve, right? Yeah. So you're jumping thirty one thousand feet. You know, there's we, you know, obviously we do calculations for all this stuff. So you mm-hmm. you set your altimeters and all that kind of stuff uh, based on barometric pressure and, and all that stuff and the elevation that you're jumping, you're landing at, and yada yada yada. So anyway, um <laughs> so <laughs> we get out of the plane, I remember falling with this dude and we're just my one well, of my teammates and we're just kinda looking at each other and I'm looking and I'm getting ready to to break away to pull, you know, I'm like, Oh, it's getting close. Okay, and I'm like
1: no, so when you say breakaway, you mean like so you, when you, you guys are dis- jumping? You kind of disperse. Because you're jumping with your team. Like you guys are – Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're all really close together yep. until you – So, away and them, then you get to a certain somewhere.
2: altitude and you kind of disperse. That way when you open your parachute, you're not going to open into each other. and right. just, Then you're going to be – Tangled up and fucked. You're fucked. Yep. So, uh, anyway, I was getting ready to disperse and I looked and I was like – I looked down at the ground and I was like, dude, we are still really high. No, I had a whole nother go around on the altimeter. <laughs> Another twelve thousand feet. I was like, "Oh shit! Okay, all right." Two minutes of free fall. Two minutes of just falling in, just looking at each other, not to be able to talk or you know, right. you just this is cool, dude. I that mean, is okay.
1: So like, I've always thought of Halo. I get it. Like i I got it before, but mm-hmm. when you describe that just now, like yeah. two minutes just falling, yeah. I mean, that's.
2: A long it, it like time. It seems like forever. It seems like forever. That's crazy. And uh so I looked at the ditter obviously when, when we got on the ground and stuff like that. I was like, Oh, that's cool. Thirty one thousand feet, you know, I kinda recorded. Did you that. know
1: before the jump how, how far you're jumping I think, from? I thought
2: it was supposed to be like thirty. And I don't okay. know, and somehow we ended up going to thirty one. Um, I don't know I don't know what it I don't know what yeah. happened. What's well, an anyways. extra thousand feet, at know, point, whatever, right? Whatever. <laughs> yeah. So uh so anyway, we were falling just in just just our bodies and our oxygen bottles and stuff. Um, 198 miles an hour.
1: Oh my god! But that's, it seems like you're floating, dude. That's NASCAR yeah. speeds. It, it, doesn't seem like open. You're,
2: it doesn't seem like you're going anywhere.
1: That's like being strapped to the hood of a NASCAR going around Daytona 500.
2: Yeah, but but <laughs> but it, it seems like you're you're just there, and I mean yeah. you go through clouds and stuff like that, you know. Just, Holy fuck! That's yeah, that's, be, that's pretty badass. That's so. pretty cool. That's super so. cool. Yeah. That's and, the cool guy shit, and, man. And that's that's uh, awesome. And that's where, I mean, and so I so I was through this injury and all this stuff, you know, um, I was noticing that, like, dude, I can't feel my arm. Like, I'm in free fall, and, like, you know, you kind of put your arms oh, sure. up. Like, yeah. hey, cop, don't shoot me. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm like, man, my right arm is going on. So I'd have to put my arm down. But when you do that, you're going to spin. It throws you off, yeah. It throws you off. So, like, I kind of. So I got to kind of, I got a little inventive and stuff like that in my, in my, you know, because most of our jumps were at night anyway. Yeah. You know, we do, I mean, we do some daytime stuff, but um I mean, we're freaking Green Beret. We're freaking clandestine. So right. we jump under night vision and yep. pitch black and yeah. Trains you fight and yeah. you fight in the dark. Yeah. So um that's where the cool guy shit comes in. So yeah. <laughs> so uh, so anyway, so I noticed that the my arm was really getting numb and stuff like that, and I was doing that, and even under canopy, you're you're doing what we call hey ho's high altitude, high opening. So obviously to offset further from the drop zone, so because you can hear a parachute open, you know, up above you four thousand feet, you can hear a parachute if you're standing here. Okay, yep. You so, hear that that parachute that snivel and stuff yep. like that. So
1: halo, you said four thousand feet is your low opening. That's a low. Okay,
2: and a hey ho, we would jump. Sometimes we would jump at 14,000 feet and open at 10. So you only – you free fall for only, like, a couple seconds, mm-hmm. you know. And then you'd open at 10,000 feet, and you'd basically fly that parachute for 45 minutes.
1: So in what situation, uh, like, operationally, would you do a Halo versus a ho or vice
2: versa? So, so a ho is more um, – it's better for a combat mission. I mean, Halo is – I mean, I guess it has its op- application and stuff like that. I'm sure SEALs and stuff like that use it when they – when they do their stuff, they jump and they they do halos out in the, out in the ocean. They get picked up by a ship. You know, there's no Uh-oh. need to open up way high above and then fly in. Get get to the water <clears throat> as fast so, as possible, kind yeah. of deal. Yeah. So so if you're if you're trying to get in on a target and stuff, um, you need to sneak in there as quiet as possible. You know, so you jump jump in and you need to open up really high so they're not going to hear the parachute open at 10,000 yeah. feet and plus based on your calculations and stuff like that the wind currents and all that stuff different different speeds at different altitudes there's a lot of calculations and stuff like that that we would have to do um So you have an opening point and you could, the wind would take you to your drop zone if you calculated it right. So you could. Are you guys calculating that? Yes. Oh, fuck. Uh, So I was a jump master, a halo jump master. So yeah, we calculate all that stuff. Like, okay, we're we're jumping this kind of aircraft. So it runs at this speed. So think about, and also you have to, there's, there's crazy things like in shooting, you know, you have to think about, yep. uh, if you're doing long range shooting, you have to think about, you know, Coriolis effect, yep. you know, spin drift, stuff like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's different things with halo jumping that you have to take an effect in account is, so this, let's say it's a C-130 and it's, it's flying at You know, you know, I don't even know the speed it flies at anymore. But anyway, so (laughs) it's flying. And uh, so it has a forward throw. So if you jump out of the back of the plane, you're still going the speed of the aircraft before you actually start falling straight down. Yeah. Just like you're driving in in a car and you throw a beer bottle out of the, you know, to hit a road sign. Yep. That beer bottle is going the same speed you are, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So you have to take that into effect because that's going to throw you hundreds of yards on the ground. Yeah, that's a perfect know. analogy. Too. And then, and then, yeah, and then, and then you start falling straight down, and then that wind's pushing you. It seems like you're falling straight down, but that wind is pushing you 30 miles an hour at 10,000 feet, you know, 22 miles an hour at, you know, 9,000 feet, but in the other way. So there's, there's, there's all these different calculations and winds, you know, so you're, you're just like a ping pong ball out there (laughs) in a freaking, you know, falling out of the sky and you are getting pushed all over the place. But it, and then you have a point where you're going to open your parachute. Okay. Boom. Open my parachute 10,000 feet. And okay. My, my objective or my drop zone is 20 miles or 20 kilometers away. Mm -hmm. So from 10,000 feet to 20 kilometers. Okay. You get your glide ratio, your parachute the 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 weight of the all the equipment that you have, yeah. you know, um, you can only you, you can max out your parachute, you know, um, there's 400 pounds you can put on those ram air parachutes, so you got yeah you got all the, your ammo, your communications gear, your guns, your night your night vision, all this stuff and. You had that extra Twinkie, you know, <laughs> right. you, you know, it all comes into play. Yep. So, uh, you know, the shorter, skinnier guys, they carry more shit. Yeah. You right. know, we got to load up, buddy. So hell Sorry. yeah, I need more Twinkies. I don't hey, want to carry all yeah. this shit. So, so, uh, so anyway, so then you, you get to your drop zone and, uh, you give yourself a there's a little wiggle room in there in case there's, you know, issues and incidents and, um, you get thermals and stuff like that. You get over, you know, you get lower and you get under trees over trees and stuff, you know, that heat coming off of those trees or roads and stuff. It, I mean, it throws you around a little bit. And, mm-hmm. uh, so there's all this ca- calculation. And then you get on the ground and that's, and then you walk to your objective and you, you do your, do your work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so those halo jumps and all that stuff, I mean, as cool and as fun, and as exciting as that is, um, it got like you were just driving your car to work. Yeah. it got so monotonous and yep. it was it's the dangerous shit you know i mean you're yeah. jumping out of a plane at twenty thousand feet in the middle of the night yeah you know into the freaking abyss it looked like you're jumping into an oil slick <laughs> yeah it's freaking crazy it's crazy it's um, one of those
1: things where yeah you take you, you yeah you drive your car and you don't really think of you, you get a little complacent driving your yeah. car and to and from work and whatnot muscle memory but, yeah it's muscle memory yeah. and that that's what you're talking about where jumping out of an airplane is like is muscle memory like oh yeah I shit I don't know it's crazy and it's crazy you, you know with the,
2: that complacency that's where accidents happen and stuff yep. like that, and you know you you just kind of kind of go through the motions and stuff like that um you know i've had I' had a couple buddies have some accidents luckily they they walked away from them and stuff like that, but it's just you know it's just that mind numbing oh, we' gotta go jump here, and that wasn't even that's not even a mission. Right. You know, I mean, that would make some people's whole life to freaking be able to do that. But like, dude that's just how I'm going to do work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Uncle Sam wants me to go kill this dude, so yeah. I guess I'll go. That's so where
1: you get there is to do this. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's like going in and clocking in to run your machine if you're working at a factory. It's like, yeah. All right, cool. Here we go. Yeah. Boss wants this done. Yeah. Boss wants this done. Yeah. But you're you're clocking in to jump out
2: at. Thirty-one thousand feet. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. We only did that once, but right. typically, typically, they were about I would say about eighteen between eighteen and fourteen thousand. Yeah. yeah, so we well, gotta have a couple,
1: I guess, yeah. one or two of those extreme jumps just to be like, "Where's the where's yeah. the limit? Like, let's, how far let's, can we let's, do? This? Let's do this." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I do want to ask about the that thirty-one thousand foot jump mm-hmm. when you said it was negative twenty. It was as cold as fuck. I it was cold as fuck. So when you're dropping, are you feeling? The warm temperature change. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. No yeah. 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 It's and crazy.
2: then you're going through clouds and like, if you ever, if you ever, anybody's ever done any skydiving and stuff like that, and fallen through clouds and stuff, it's, it's pretty cool. And it's just like, you're going through like the densest fog ever. Yeah. So like, you know, you got goggles on so you just like, you know, like, man, I should really put some rainex X on these things, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, um, and it, what makes it, you know, halo jumping really interesting is when you do it in the winter. It sucks. so oh, fuck uh, about that. Sucks bad. Um, it's just cold the entire time. Uh, it's just years cold <laughs> the entire time, and your, I mean your your eye your eyes are freezing up and stuff like that, um, and your goggle. I mean it's 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 a freaking nightmare.
1: Damn. So where'd yeah. you jump? Where, where'd you those jumps? Like in Alaska? What? Time? Or where'd you go to jump in winter?
2: And so we, when we would jump in the winter, it'd be in North Carolina. But North like Carolina. so, it was. I mean, it wasn't like Extr- not like, like Alaska, cold, Alaska, yeah. but you know, it was. I mean it's still it's like 30 degrees on the ground so think it's about, a pretty damn it's about it's about that's about uh um what did it say it's about three degrees per thousand foot no shit so it's yeah <laughs> it's yeah that's cold it's cold and, yeah. it, and you're you're not sitting still you're falling fast <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. like i you
1: said you're you're strapped to the hood of uh nascar yeah at oh Day- yeah daytona 500 but at 30 degrees now you're so. booking yeah <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah.
2: So, so the whole, the whole arm thing, you know, so, um, like I said, I think there's blessings with everything and there's a reason for everything. So I wouldn't have met some of the great people that, you know, if, if this injury wouldn't have happened. Um, I think that, um, uh, let me adjust. This. Yep, yep. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I wouldn't have met, I definitely wouldn't have met some of the people, um, that I've met. I wouldn't have had some of the opportunities I've had. Um, and then, uh, I would, I don't think I would be on the journey that I'm on right now, which I'm, I'm pretty pumped about. So, yeah. So let's
1: let's go into that now. So yeah, now um, you're out of the army. Well, hold on. Let me, let me,
2: let me me back up. And so, so right as I was getting out, so my first job out in the military, I was, I was, I didn't, I was still in the military. I didn't know what I was going to do. So I ended up, I ended up, um, I got contact by special operations command care coalition So calm care coalition, and uh, they helped me navigate the system to try to, you know, to get out, to get through, you know, to navigate the, uh, my disability, what I'm going to do next. And, you know, you know, offer, try to help offer solutions and, you know, any assistance they can. So with that, my advocate, she said, Hey, I think you'd be a perfect um, advocate. She goes, would you want a, a job doing this, helping you know, fellow, you know, special operators. I was like, hell yeah. Yeah, let me – because I don't know what – I don't know what I'm going to do because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still working on my arm. My arm is still jacked. I still – I can't do contracting, you know, because you right. kind of need both hand arms. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which so, is a
1: logical choice for a lot of um, special it, it ops is. dudes yeah, because go to contracting.
2: they don't want to lead the teams. Yep. You know, they don't – you know, they're told they can't play anymore, you know, but this guy will – you know, he's, he's got a team yeah. over here. He'll let you play on for yeah. a little while. Yeah. You yeah. he'll so, pay you fucking good money to do good it. Good money. Yeah. So, um, so obviously contracting wasn't out and I've been doing this for the last 20 years. So I was like, what the hell am I going to do? Um, so they said, you could be an advocate. And, uh, I said, let me, let me look into that. And I, you know, I talked to them a little bit about it. And I said, hell yeah. So, so I was an advocate for special operations. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, SOCOM, care, uh, care coalition, for two years. So Mm -hmm. I had, um, I was an advocate helping guys and their families navigate through the, you know, whether they're recently injured in combat, um, diagnosed with some crazy disease or something like that, trying to figure out the next steps and get, you know, get on with their life, you know? So that kind of opened my eyes up to, to helping guys like, okay, maybe I can't, maybe I can't do this anymore, but I can still give back and help these guys. Um, you know i can't jump all the planes and 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 do all this shit and uh i miss it every day but yeah I, i'm a, i'm a, i'm going to do something i'm going to do something bigger than me you know it's it's mm-hmm. not about me you know i had my fun um thank god i'm i'm you know i made it through it and uh so i did that like i said i met a, a lot of great guys um and was able to i think i was able to help a whole lot of people Um, and one of those opportunities, um, afforded me to come up to, to Iowa to uh, Mm -hmm. pheasant hunt. So -hmm. I came up here and pheasant hunted and fell in love with Iowa. Like I said, I'm originally from Virginia and, uh, after leaving home at 17 years old, I was like, I don't know where I'm gonna go. You know, I like Hawaii, but shit's expensive as a civilian. I'm sure. Yeah, right. (laughs) You know, Uncle Sam's not uh, flipping the bill anymore. Yeah, I think a gallon of milk there is like ten bucks. So (laughs) yeah, so so I'm not doing that. Um, I like hunting too much. So you know, um, so I came up to Iowa, um, did some pheasant hunting. Which you know, somebody says, "Hey, Jeremy, you want to go and kill something?" I'm like, "Hell yeah!" You know, and not go to jail. Hell yeah, let's go. Let's do it. So, uh, so I came up here, pheasant hunted, fell in love with Iowa and the people up here. Um, and, uh, so since then I started helping bring veterans up to Iowa to bow hunt. Um, so bow hunting is very, I'm very passionate about bow hunting. It's, Mm -hmm. I would rather, I mean, I can shoot shit from a long ways away, but I would rather get it's something personal and something, something, uh, sexy and, um, I don't know, dude. When it comes to bow hunting, it's like I don't know. It's just
1: completely different than gun hunting. Like it's hard to compare the two. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's it, when you're out bow hunting, you're generally by yourself. It's you and your yeah. quarry, if you will. It's more you know? of a so you, it's, it's more of a personal, personal. it's yeah. a personal thing
2: for sure. Um, yep. And you know, it's like don't shoot until you can see the whites of their eyes. It's yeah. kind of that's yeah. kind of what it's like. You know, it's right. just it, it kind of it gets your when you can see something in your scope from a couple hundred yards away and pull the trigger, it's it's not that excitement. But it, when it's right there and it's it, yeah. it could see your every move and you know and smell you and that's where the excitement and stuff. And obviously that's what I was I was longing for. Obviously after you know my military career and stuff, you know you're you're used to that high pace, high adrenaline, excitement and all this stuff.
1: Well, and your and when you were in the military, you're constantly planning. You're constantly planning your next op. You're constantly Mm -hmm. planning your next training mission. You're constantly, constantly planning. Mm -hmm. And that's like in bow hunting, because that's where I fall into too. When I got out of the military, I fell in love with bow hunting too. And it's just like, it keeps you thinking and planning all year round. Yeah. It keeps you busy. So you're already used to doing that. Then you just fall right, fall right in and start hunting. And especially bow hunting, like gun hunting, like you said, it's one thing. Like you can kind of go out there, find the animals and you don't have to get as close. But bow hunting, it's like year round. Yeah progression and planning and everything. So so let
2: me, let me, let me explain to you how much I love bow hunting. So, (laughs) so, so when I, when my, my arm, I couldn't feel my hand and all that stuff. So I I was doing physical therapy for about two years, trying to get use and function of my arm. It was like a dead fish on the end of my shoulder. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was determined to be able to use my bow again. Mm -hmm. So, um, obviously I'm right-handed. So, um, so, I ended up doing at physical therapy. I was like, I need to use, I need to start working on this motion, you know, like drawing, like drawing a bow, and uh, so I f- started building up strength and that and stuff. And but I still can't, I still can't feel my finger. But yep. I, uh, I've done it so many times that muscle memory that that I know where my 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 uh, release is, my my trigger on my release, yep. and all that kind of stuff. So, but before I got to that point, so. So I ended up I was had the strength to pull my bow back, but I couldn't feel my trigger Free on release, the release because
1: you're you're, yeah. you're using index.
2: I I yeah, yeah I have I have no like the whole hand, the whole hand even if I use a thumb oh, release yes. or anything or yeah. even a, maybe I don't know I never tried a back tension release or it probably would have been a ticket. But yeah, so I mean. so I was just like <laughs> I was just going with what I knew and uh, so like I'm determined to do it. So after I lobbed a couple of arrows off in the freaking in the abyss. You know, because I couldn't feel my trigger, you know, <laughs> right. I was like, I got to figure this out. So, so I ended up taking a thumbtack, like a flat backed thumbtack mm-hmm. and I bent it around the trigger on my release and I filed the very tip of the, the thumbtack off. So it wasn't going to just stick me on my finger, mm-hmm. uh, but I could feel, I mean, as I pushed on it, I could really feel that, the that pressure, the right pressure Yep. pressure, that thumbtack. So I, I fashioned that on there, and I freaking shot with that for a long time. Yeah. And I was like, if there's oh, a will, yeah. there's a way. Right. That's you know, some yeah. green break shit. You know, I'm going to freaking figure a way out. In mind you, you could have probably gotten a crossbow. I did. I used, so that deer right there I shot, the, oh, okay. the Alabama deer, yep. I shot with a crossbow. Yep. But I had to shoot it left-handed. Yeah,
1: because <laughs> yeah, you can't pull it. You can't, oh. So you can't feel the trigger. <laughs> oh, and I
2: forgot to mention, I had two strokes in this whole thing. What the a, fuck? A, a blood clot, you know, a, a blood clot, uh, you know, uh, went up in my brain from all the surgeries. And basically one, I had one. So here I was, I was at, on the side of the, the house shooting my bow. And, uh, I've been down to pick up some arrows, you know, you, you shoot your arrows, you pull them and you, yeah. you send them on the ground. Whatever. Yep. So I've been down to pick up another arrow and I face planted. I was like, what the hell? And I was so dizzy. I was like, what the hell was that? I go, what's going on? So I went inside, thought maybe it was, it was Florida. You know, I was like, man, maybe I'm just dehydrated, you know, whatever. I don't know what it was. So I went inside and laid down. I had physical therapy the next morning. So I just kind of, just kind of went, you know, I didn't think about it. I'll figure it out tomorrow. So I woke up in the morning. didn't feel a hundred percent. And I was like, I'm good. So I drove the physical therapy, which was, it was about an hour. So I drove there, um, got there and the physical therapist has been working with me for, the last year and a half, she said, you don't look right. And I told her what happened yesterday. And she goes, um, hold on a second. She got on the phone to the hospital. And she goes, you need to go over there right now. They're expecting, they're right across the street. You mm-hmm. need to go over there right now. And, uh, they go over there and they do some tests and stuff that you kind of look, you look all right, you know, and you know, everything kind of pans out, but we just can't really figure it out. And all right, cool. So I went home being a bow hunter. I want to get back into bow hunting. Huh. I'm like, I'm gonna go shoot some more. So I went on the okay. side of the house and shoot my bow. Again, I bent down same exact thing as the day before I p- went to go pick up an arrow face planted this time. It was horrendous. I was like, it was like the drunkest I've ever been, but it was not fun at all. Oh fuck. I no one was gay. Gigg- I wasn't giggling. No. So yeah. I was like, Oh my God, well, I might, I might piss myself, but <laughs> well, when,
1: well, when you instantly get drunk without drinking alcohol, it's like, Oh yeah. What's I did So
2: I didn't know what happened. so, So I went inside. I laid down, and that was on a Friday. I laid there till Monday. Oh shit! So if I laid on my left side, um, everything got so dizzy I would throw up. So if I laid on my right side, um, it it wasn't as bad, and I just freaking laid there. I couldn't. I had my phone, but I couldn't read the screen to call nine one one. What I couldn't call a friend. I couldn't do it. So I laid there till Monday, and a friend of mine called me, a teammate, and he goes, "Hey." He goes, you all right? I go, dude, I, I'm at home. I, I, I've been laying here since freaking Friday.
1: Are you talking fine? or Are you like slurring and being weird? I'm, I'm,
2: I think I was, I think I was okay. I was okay. just, I couldn't, you couldn't see though. Yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 had to try to cl- crawl to the bathroom. I mean, it was, it oh. took, you know, you're trying to crawl as dizzy. It was, it was like doing the bat thing, you know, run around the bat, you know, and then try right. to go somewhere. Yeah. No, you're going to go off to the, you know, to the right oh, or whatever. Shit. It was crazy. Um, they ended up doing a bunch of MRIs and all this kind of stuff. And they said, Yeah, you had two strokes. <laughs> what? What the <laughs> so, fuck, dude? So, and actually, what also happened with that, so it screwed up my vision. So, like, if you think of a, a big, you know, round vision, like what you can see right now, so like yeah. the lower right quadrant of that is like blurry. And it's still to this still day. still to this day. Oh shit! Yeah. So like, not only can I like not feel my arm, but I can freaking only can see three quarters of what I need to really see. I can see, but I can't tell you how many fingers I have. Oh my know. god! Yeah. So so when I when I'm driving, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> be careful when you're driving around me. No. Um, and I see a, I see a road sign. that's a really long name. I gotta kind of look at it, try you kind of piece it together. And like, okay, okay, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, okay. Right, now I got it. <laughs> Damn! <laughs> Holy shit! it so got you on like blood thinners
1: or something? Now? Oh I, you know, no! I'm, like I'm
2: on nothing. I'm on nothing now. Yeah. What the? So what the? What I just what was the point of even knowing. I, then how would you get over it? I just it just I don't know. It just went away. It just kind of went. I guess I guess it kind of dissolves itself or whatever. I don't know. Like I didn't have the droopy face and all that kind of stuff, but like it it screwed up my vision and all that stuff. And it was all having yeah. It was just it was a big nightmare. But anyway, yeah. Um. So anyway, so I am determined to be a good bow hunter because (laughs) (laughs) because you're uh, a a determined guy. I'm just a (laughs) determined guy. I'm gonna freaking do it. You know. Um. But anyway, going back to to what brought me here to Iowa. Um. Yeah, I just. You know, I fell in love with Iowa and the people up here, you know, small town, um, just like back home in Virginia. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so obviously big deer, good deer. Um, I love to hunt and like, you know, in, in the military, you know, you got 20 years and like, I would go, they let me go hunt other things, you know? Sure. You know, <laughs> Hey, go, go hunt those dudes. Okay, yeah, cool. That's right. cool. But when that, you know, that kind of, you know, runs its course and stuff, you can't do that anymore. Um, I need another passion.
1: Right. So, and, and you got, you have, you have this vast skill set that you've been honing your entire life to do a certain task. And then you get done and the army's just like, all right, thanks for playing. Good luck to you, buddy. Yeah. Take all these skills and forget them or Stash them away in a box in your yeah. brain, and you know I appreciate your time and your effort, but you can't do any of that stuff anymore. Yeah. So hunting really does give you an opportunity to to still utilize some of those skill sets that you've been honing your
2: entire yeah, life. Totally. So so the military is really good at training you. So they were really good at training us to go and go complete these missions, go get these guys, go you know kill capture these guys, whatever. Um. So they're really good at that. Yeah the piece that they, they weren't very good at. And, and, uh, you know, they, they work at it. They try, but it's just so much. It's, 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 it's a lot, it's a lot to deal with. It's, it's a lot of, uh, and it's, it's everybody's different. Yeah. Everybody's drive is different. Everybody, you know, everybody, some people are cool with sitting on the couch watching freaking TV, yep. you know, other people, they, they don't have that mentality. They can't sit still. Mm-hmm. So, um, through the years, obviously because I've been a victim of it myself, is like I've identified. I need to get out there. I need to stay active. I need to do something, and it, not only that, but I need to give back. Um, yeah. because like, yeah, my career kind of got. I mean, I did twenty years. I retired, yeah. you know, which is. I mean, you know, it's, it's big. It's big. Yeah. Um, I wanted to do more. I always wanted to do more. Yeah. So I was like, how can, how can I give back? How can I give back to these guys since I can't, you know, there's that saying that, you know, shoot, if I can't, you know, if I can't operate, I'll freaking load ammo. If I can't load ammo, I'll freaking bring bullets. If I can't freaking do this, you know, I'll, you know, tend to the wounded, mm-hmm. you know, I'll always do something. Yep. Um, so I'm always looking, I've been looking for that, that next thing. Um, and it you know, something that basically does the soul good too. You know, it, it's good when you do something for people it, you is, know, it makes yeah. you feel good. It's freaking. And, and
1: that's the thing. Um, when you're talking about doing something good, like people like to, you know, doing nice things for other people. It's one of those things where you like to look at it as like a selfless act, yeah. you know, but it's not really selfish, selfless. It's the best selfish thing you can do if you, it, yeah. if yeah, you yeah, were yeah, yeah. that way, because you wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't do these things for other people. If it didn't make you feel good. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I've, so if it made you feel bad yeah. doing nice things, then you wouldn't do nice things. Yeah. So it's like, it's one of those things like, yeah, you're getting something back from it. Granted, you're doing but a lot of good, but it's, I don't know. It, but it's not
2: that bad. You know, it's not bad what you're getting in return. You know what I'm saying? It's not a bad thing.
1: No, no, no. It's, it's a great thing. Yeah, it's a great thing. That's why when I, okay, to put my, because I don't know if I explain that very well. Um, when, no, I, I get it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. When, when people look at like a, a billionaire mm-hmm. and they're like, yeah, he's very philanthropic with his, you know, he gives uh, a couple hundred thousand dollars here and there, but he's still a billionaire. It's like, okay, but I'd rather have that billionaire that gives a couple hundred thousand or a million dollars here and there to mm-hmm. these other groups and stays a billionaire and keeps doing those things because that's a net positive. So it's yeah. one of those things where, yeah, um he's, maybe he's doing it for a tax break or maybe he's doing it for other reasons. But at the, at the end of the day, even when you're doing something like that, you're doing it because it does feel good yeah. as a human being. Oh, yeah. It feels good to help each other out.
2: So So for the last, let's say, I think seven years I've been bringing guys up here to help them bring guys up here to Iowa to bow hunt and uh most of them in the within the special operations community and uh it's not that we we haven't brought other guys up here it's just so I've identified that that these special operators you know those are the guys that they won't ask for help, you know, and, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm guilty of it too. Mm -hmm. I won't ask for help, you know, and it's, I don't know if it's, um, if it's a pride thing, I don't know, I don't know what it is. Um, we kind of, you know, as a, um, as a community, I think we kind of need to get over that because, Hey man, if you're hurting, you're hurting, you know, if you need help, freaking ask for help, man, you know, and it's, it's maybe it's just the way we were trained, you know, because it's, you know, and I'm like shit. I, I can do this on my own. Well, it's one of those things
1: where, like we were saying earlier, and I'm glad you're you're so open mm-hmm. of talking about oh, yeah. this and everything else because I think this is very important to talk about. But it's one of those things that when you're in the military, you are training for a certain task, and when you're a civilian, it's easy to look at guys in the military, especially like you know infantrymen, mm-hmm. special operators, rangers, all those people. Mm-hmm. It's easy to look at them and be like, they're fighting for our freedom. That's yeah. great. Yeah. But when you really break it down on a mo- like a molecular level, you're you're training and spending your entire life training how to end someone else's life. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're doing these things, and we're. It's one of those things where when you get out, you go home, and you're expected to just ditch all that stuff, and also not talk about it because it makes uh, it makes people yeah. feel uncomfortable. It makes um, yeah. certain civilians, <clears throat> certain individuals feel uncomfortable hearing that when you were there, it was yeah fun to an extent yeah you know, like not I, not you know it's yeah. not fun it, it, it's weird because you're, yeah. you're playing the ball game yeah. you're, you're you got put in coach the coach puts you in finally so now you are expected to perform and when you do Absolutely. that it does feel good it gives you a rush and you're like yeah i'm doing what i've been training my ass off to do and it's it makes certain people feel weird kind of when you're saying that and so a lot of people just don't do it a lot of people just don't talk about it in yeah. general Yep. So.
2: Yeah, they, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely a touchy subject, but I mean, it is one of those ones that, you, you know, if you, if you know a veteran and stuff like that, and it's, it's kind of one of those things that, yeah, some guys don't, they don't talk about it and stuff. and like, I'm an, I'm an open book. I'll yeah. share, share my experiences and stuff like that. And my, you know, my triumphs, my failures and all that stuff. And like, I don't, I don't care. You know, maybe somebody will learn from it one day or you know, I joke, <laughs> I joke with my girlfriend. I was like. For all the stuff that I do for you know, I do for vets and all that stuff. I go, I better get in heaven because if not, <laughs> if not, I'm gonna be pissed. Right? <laughs> <laughs> she just she just laughs and she goes, "What the hell's wrong with you?" <laughs> uh, I like, go, "I don't know. Not, I don't. I'm not doing it for selfish reasons, but like at the um, end of the
1: day, it would be kind of nice to have everlasting life." Yeah, I'd be like,
2: you serious? All that shit I did down there? God dang it. All right.
1: Yeah, well, you swore on a podcast, Jake. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) So
2: um, I forget where we were. Um, Uh, Give him back. Yeah, so give him back. Um, And you're talking about the, you know, trying to be in, it's kind of selfish. I totally get where you're coming from because – In a totally good way, though. Yes. Um, Bringing these guys up here to bow hunt, like the the past several seasons that I brought guys up here, they were all successful, Um, and nothing brings me more joy than sitting in a tree with a guy and just experience that, or sitting in a ground blind, whatever, Um, just experiencing that. Even if it's... Even if it's not even freaking seeing a deer or shooting a deer that day, because you know whatever, it's just that experience, that camaraderie, and all that stuff. And that's what we all miss in the military. Absolutely. is is that brotherhood, and it's it's you know it's it's no dig on a civilian and stuff, but it's hard to it's hard to imagine that if you've never been there, right? You know, it, and it's you know, and like I said, it's no fault of you know you know anyone's anyone, but it's just that's the that's the brotherhood we were born into and that we, you know, we love and we miss every day. And so to get that for a week at a time, when these guys come up here and bow hunt, it's, it does me wonder. It kind of like refuels the passion and the excitement. And, you know, I don't give a shit if I, if I see a freaking deer myself, it's about mm-hmm. the the guy, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and even having those one-on-one talks, you know, you're sitting there whispering and you, you know, and it, that's where you get the the real down to earth, you know, uh, no holds bars, freaking conversations about how he's doing, yeah. you know. And um, that's, that's one thing that I've that learned, too, that um, some people miss. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a shame that if you, when you, make, when you go and make these bonds with these veterans and stuff like that, and you're able to go out there and hunt with them or, or sit down and, and you know, it, Uh, listen to their stories and um and you gain their trust and their confidence and all this stuff that that is a guy who he might reach back out to you six months a month you know a year down the road and be like hey remember that conversation we had he goes that really helped me out through that period or hey i'm going through some similar stuff that you were telling me your story you know right now Mm -hmm. um and you, you gain that trust and that confidence and stuff like that, which, you know, as a, as a veteran, I think that, you know, here in the, you know, we're, we're we got kind of dumped off into the civilian world, if you will. Um, we're kind of all searching for again. Yeah. You know? You know? Yeah. Um, absolutely. And it's, uh, I'm able to, I'm, you know, this year uh, we're talking about this organization. Um, so this year I'm, I'm, I'm uh, starting up a new organization here in, in Iowa to bring veterans up here to bow hunt. Um, it's uh, it's basically it's a chapter of an existing organization and it's called Operations Second Chance. Um, they've been in existence for I want to say going on 18 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have de- several different retreats, you know, up and down the East Coast and uh, uh, some out in Montana, Texas, Colorado, South Dakota, Idaho. Um, And there's a couple other locations and stuff. And they're, you know, they're obviously 100% focused around the veteran. Um, And I just, like I said, I want to jump on board with these guys and start an organization chapter here in Iowa uh, to bring some guys up. Um, Because I I know the need is out there, you know. And, uh, you know, I I mean, shoot. I mean, you fault me for trying or whatever like that. But, you know, I don't think there's there's enough organizations out there to help vets.
1: No, the, the thing is there's a lot, but they're all, a lot of the organizations are, are very niche mm-hmm. in their plan, which you have to be to a certain extent, right? Yeah. And just like this is, this is niche. It's a yeah. hunting niche. So like if you have a veteran that's absolutely 100% not interested in hunting, then it's yeah. not going to so, so this around. Yeah.
2: But. Well, that's another thing with this operation second chance. So, so they not only have hunting, you know, stuff in these other States, they also have, I mean, they have, um. Uh, like caregiver stuff, they have fishing stuff down in Florida I oh mean, okay. they have i mean they have horseback riding stuff i mean they no. they have a ton of different things um there's a couple of them that are you know hunting oriented Gotcha. you know for turkey or you know i I'm gonna do deer and some mm-hmm. turkey here um, so this is a
1: very just outdoors it's based it's
2: a yeah it's a big it's a big organization and yeah. that
1: is very important because honestly, in my opinion if you're outside and just getting that vitamin D from the sun, Oh, it's like being outside and being engulfed in nature. That Mm -hmm. is, there's so much healing that you can't see just being outside and just whether you're backpacking, backpack, hiking, fishing, hunting, you know, I don't know, fucking, um, whatever.
2: Yeah. Like, and like I, I kind of expressed to you, I think yesterday when we spoke that, um, if it, if it was not for hunting and outdoors, um, you know, hunting saved my life last year, you know, 100%. You know, like I said, I'll, I'm an open book, you know, I'll, uh, you know, I'll talk about anything with anybody, you know, especially if it can help them. Um, so I'll share my story with anybody if they're, if they're interested in, in learning more, but, um, yeah, it, it definitely, it was, I was in a dark place last November. Um, I, you know, I said, you know what I told myself, I was like, Jeremy, you need to get out of this. Um, You need to to lace up your boots and go out there and go sit in a tree stand. Even if you don't even take your bow. Yeah. Just being out there. Um, And I used to, you know, I didn't know I was doing it and how good it was for my soul. But when I lived in Hawaii and I surfed every day. Do yep. the same thing. That's how surfers are so freaking mellow. Yeah. They're super chill. They're, they're, <laughs> they're super they're chill. Happy. They're freaking a bunch of Matthew McConaughey's walking around. Yeah. They're just, they're yeah. outside
1: all the time. So they're happy. Yeah.
2: So, so I was like, you need to go out there and just go and, and sit in a tree. And, uh, so I did, I freaking stopped feeling sorry for myself. I'm like, and you know, I told myself, I said, if, if I'm not here to help anybody else, like who's going to do it? So yeah. like, I need to be here. So I'm gonna go put my boots on and I'm gonna freaking grab my bow and I'm gonna go and I sit in a tree. Um happened to be Veterans Day last oh, November. Yep. And mm-hmm. I shot the biggest buck of my life. Oh no shit. It was I, I could I mean, it was incredible. And That's it amazing. just kinda like, okay, I got it. Yep. I know what you Thanks, big guy. Yeah.
1: I say yeah. S- sent you a sign a little yeah. deal there, and he's like, All right, man. Yeah you know what you need to do.
2: Roger that. Yeah. 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 Yep. It was, it was pretty cool. And that's why, you know, I'm a, I did a, I'm, I did a full body mount on it and stuff like that. And I'll put it, you know, up here in the shop and, um, yeah. Cause it means that's a lot, amazing. you know, cause it, it, you know, and, uh, you know, the reality of it all is, uh, like a week and a half ago, I had a buddy that, that took his life, um, army Fuck. buddy from uh third range battalion. And, uh, so that sucks. It hit home yeah. and I was like, shit, that could have been me last, last November, mm-hmm. you know, but it's like, and that obviously solidified the need for, you know, getting guys up here, getting, even if it's not here, it's somewhere, you know, get, you know, yep. whether you know.
1: if they don't come here with you, you have connections because they're everywhere. they are yeah. these, uh, operations, second chances all over the place. So yeah. if they reach out to you, then you can get them pointed in the right oh. direction. A hundred percent. Absolutely. And that's one of those things, man, it's like, um, you know, the, the news and people like to talk about, you know, the, the 22 a day, there's 22 yeah. on average, 22 veterans that commit suicide every day. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, people give it a lot of lip service and want, and want to talk about it and bring up awareness and stuff. But at the same time, it's like, um, 22 veterans a day actually do it. How many think about it Yeah. And get that close you know because yeah, i'd be a, i'd be a liar if i didn't fucking you know think about it yeah. myself you know there's there's times when you get home especially or you're doing something or something happens where you just it hits you oh yeah weird like. it hits you weird on certain yeah. days certain days you're fucking totally normal everything's going good and everything's happy go luck and then the next the next day you something triggers some a memory in your or something hits you where you're just like, mm-hmm. man, fuck, like, what the fuck am I doing? Or maybe something bad happens mm-hmm. at work or something is happening where you're, yeah. I mean, there's, when I was living in El Paso by myself, It's like, you know, I mean, I'd oh be a liar. God. I'd be a liar if I was, if I didn't sit there and, you know, grab a, you know, grab a gun and think about yeah. it. Just yeah. look at it and be like, you know, what would happen? I'm here alone. Like, no one fucking... Like my unit doesn't give a fuck about me. Mm-hmm. My, you know, my daughter's gone. Like maybe things would be better off. You know, yeah. you start thinking oh, yeah. these weird thoughts, and you know, but you have to push through. You know, it's like one of those things you push through, and you get through the next day. You get yep. through that night. You get through the next day. And when I got home to like getting get back into hunting, it's just <clears> it's it's kept me active. It's got me looking forward to things. It's kept me planning for things, and it gives you. It it's easy to fall into those um, those thoughts mm-hmm. when you don't have anything to look forward to the next day. Yeah. You know, yeah. Whether it's just getting on on X and playing, uh, <laughs> putting a pin somewhere and be like, that'd be a cool fucking place to scout yeah. and see if there's any sign there.
2: Yeah. I think I might do that tomorrow. I mean, uh, that, and that's, you. that's just the, <clears throat> the military mindset that we've, you know we've been trained to do is like you're always preparing for the next thing i mean you should see you should see my garage and stuff like that when i'm getting ready to go out to idaho to try to elk hunt yeah, yeah. uh it you're looks like a freaking yard sale you're doing a,
1: a layout oh yeah it's a yeah. layout it's a
2: total 100 percent layout i'm waiting for somebody to come start yeah. calling off the packing list dory sergey <laughs> <guy> got <Yeah>. everything <laughs> <laughs> yeah two is one one is none i'm like yeah oh yeah. yeah i got freaking four of them oh yeah i'm freaking good um but yeah i mean it's 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 planning for that hunt and all that stuff and and doing that strategy and you know uh the the actual hunt and then the recovery and you know or even the just uh, you know coming back here at you know the veterans coming back here at the end of the day and telling war stories about oh my mm-hmm. god i saw a freaking 92 point buck and you know <laughs> and you're like okay buddy all right cool all right. have That's another awesome. have another shot <laughs> yeah
1: your beer looks a little empty yeah so
2: um yeah, I mean, it's just it's that camaraderie and stuff like that, and, and that's what I've tried to create here. Is you know when I when I bought this, I mean, it's a small acreage and stuff like that. But I've I've tried to set it up with the veterans of mine, everything, um, with the with the range out back, the fire pit, you know, because I mean, who doesn't like some ranger TV sometimes, you know? No shit, Dude, um, And your setup out here is absolutely
1: fucking amazing. Yeah, like you do have your basement is set up exactly like you are saying. You got plenty yeah. of space. Yeah. out here it's. You do have it dialed in for for this. Yeah.
2: So um that's that's that was my whole goal is uh to make it just as comfortable and as easy access and just freaking carefree for these guys because obviously just like we we, we both know though I mean, we've been put through the ringer. Yeah. You know? Um so you know, if it's a week out of this dude's year that he can just sit here and chill and the only thing he has to worry about is going and freaking shooting a deer Yep. hell yeah let's mm-hmm. do it and then that's something gives that gives them something else to to look forward to when he gets home he's like oh man yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna start deer hunting over there i'm gonna i'm going you know i'm gonna get my friend or my daughter or my you know wife into hunting and and then it's just so your your passion for the military and all that stuff it it transitions into your passion for the outdoors mm-hmm. and hunting and, and all this stuff and it's um i don't know it's like i said i i wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the outdoors yep
1: and it's one of those things too like when you uh when you first get into hunting especially if you get in really start getting into it when you're an adult or something like that mm-hmm. um it's one of those things once it starts clicking and you're like this is what i'm meant to do yeah like i'm here to do this yeah. thing and so it's I, amazing it's almost like it's almost like being a born again christian where you're yeah. like Oh my gosh, I just found this thing and you guys won't believe it, but it's fucking amazing. Like, it's so cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. You just need to tell everybody about it. It's kind of that same thing.
2: I think, uh, <laughs> I, I, I think you're absolutely right with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's cool. And I'm glad you're doing it. And yeah. like you said, you need a, you, you're sitting there and you, I think you said, uh, you know, if you don't do it, who's going to do it, who's going to do there's it. There's a, there's a thing with people where they have these ideas like this would be such a cool thing to do, but I'm just not the right guy for it. Yeah. But it'd be a, it'd be super cool if somebody did it, and then it, maybe it doesn't, never gets done, or maybe someone else does do it, and it's great. Yeah. But it's, you can't think of. It's hard to sit back and think about like, yeah, that'd be a cool idea to do. Hopefully, someone does it someday. It's like you need to do it. Yeah, like you need to go through and do it. And I'm glad. I'm very, very glad that you sat there and thought like, yeah this is something I need, I need, I just need to do it. Well, I
2: started thinking too. I mean, I mean, we talked about the arm and, 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 you know, all those, all that crap. Um, and it's, everything happens for a reason. I mean, there's a reason I'm sitting here right now. There's Absolutely. a reason I'm, I'm in, in Iowa of all places. I thought my friends and family thought I'd freaking lost my mind when I said, <laughs> Hey, I'm moving to Iowa. Yeah. I thought they were going to commit me, but, <laughs> but after I brought out some veterans and stuff like that, you know, uh, a guy I with a buddy, I went to ranger school with and uh, I brought him out here. He goes, dude, I, I totally get it. Yeah. He goes, I, Oh my God. He goes, if it wasn't for the wife and the kids in college right now, he goes, I'd be there tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Like, hands down. Like, you know, uh we talked about Kit from Red Arrow TV and Red Arrow Weapons. Um, he came out here this summer and we were doing some stuff <laughs> and, and he was like, dude, he goes he goes, Where, when can I move in? <laughs> right? like, I'm, I'm like, I would love to come to uh, Iowa. Yeah.
1: Um, and Kip's hunted in Iowa before. Like, oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know, he, yeah. On the show and stuff. He's yeah. been in Southern Iowa yeah. and everything else. But yeah. there's some, there is something special about Northern Iowa, especially. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, maybe it's just the the nothingness, maybe. Yeah. Maybe it's the seclusion a little bit, too. But there's something about Northern Iowa. Like I was born and raised here. Yeah. And it's just like, man, I don't know. Everywhere I went in the Army and everywhere I've traveled, I'm just like, man. But I was fucking cool. <laughs> yeah,
2: it is. It is. Yeah. I never thought. I never thought in a million years that you would hear those words come out of my mouth. I'm moving to Iowa. <laughs> yeah, here I am. Yeah. But I fucking love it. I love it. Um, yeah, I'm really excited for this season to to bring some guys up. Uh, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start bringing a couple guys up. Um, obviously, right now we're we're still. I'm still in the. The paperwork stage of getting uh, all the approvals and stuff like that. I mean, it's like at the freaking mm-hmm. end of the tunnel right now. Because
1: it's a five hundred one c three. It's right? a five
2: hundred one c three. Yep. It's just a. It's just like I said. It's just a chapter of the existing Operation Second mm-hmm. chance. There's still um, a lot of legal shit that you got to yeah, do. Yeah, and it's to get it and it's that's all done. I, I, you know, did the stuff with the secretary of state and got all the paperwork done, and so it's just now getting, the, getting the approvals to the DNR, and then yep. boom, I'm I'm ready to go.
1: So that was the next thing I wanted to ask about because. In the state of Iowa, if you're a non-resident, it's a draw tag. Correct. And it usually takes, I think up here it's a little bit easier than in southern Iowa. But it's still a draw tag. You still have to wait two, three, four years to draw an archery tag for Iowa. But in this case, with it being a legit 501c3, Mm -hmm. the state of Iowa um, does allow non-resident veterans Mm -hmm. to hunt here as long as they're doing it. Through a 501C3,
3: right?
2: Under the under a 501C3, yes. yes. Um, yeah, and there, obviously Iowa does have certain uh, stipulations and stuff like that to be 30% disabled or more. Okay. Um, obviously most of the most of the special operators I know are 90%, 100%. I don't know more. how you could
1: make it through <laughs> being in special operations and not being at least 30
3: yeah, you know, there, I, I, don't think, I, mean, I don't think it's possible.
2: I think, I think they give you the thirty percent disability rating along with your divorce paperwork when you, <laughs> when you show up to the team. Yeah. Yep, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um it, and yeah, it's a you know, I'll be running a, a a small outfit out here, you know, so probably three to four veterans at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously because of the the hunting pressure on the land and stuff, you don't want to to overpressure uh, you know land and the access to the land, because you want um,
1: it to be a good hunt. Absolutely. You don't, don't want to yeah. just have guys come up here just to sit in a tree just and not see him. shit. No, and that's you want to make it a good hunt. Yeah,
2: and so. that's what some outfitters do. You know, it's a, it's a money making thing. I'm not here to make a, a cent. You know, this mm-hmm. isn't making anything. This is just giving back to the guys. Yep. Um. So yeah, they they, they put guys in a tree stand and yeah, hey, good luck. And you might you might see a doe. I don't know. I want mm-hmm. I want I want these guys to be as successful as possible. Yep. So and that's why it's it's limited to you know three to four guys and. Um, and that way it's, it's more personal then too, sure. you know, for sure.
1: And then they can go back home and show it off. And be like, Hey, yeah, I see this fucking deer? Yeah. I went to Iowa with Jeremy yeah. and shot this fucking thing yeah. and it was amazing. And now yeah. that's what I'm going to do for us. So,
2: so two, uh, two of the guys that I've brought up here in the past years have never bow hunted or killed a deer with their bow, killed anything with their bow. Oh, no shit. They've killed them both with me. Yeah. Oh yeah. This awesome. oh it was freaking awesome. I rattled a I rattled a buck in this year for a guy across a river. The buck crossed the river and all that came up. I mean it was just it was beautiful. <laughs> just epic. It was I wish I should have had a video camera, but I was gonna say, um, are you
1: allowed to record these hunts if
2: you get, Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, I need I need to get a video camera. I need to I don't know. Yeah, you do. But but all my <laughs> all the all the you know, that you know, I'm just surviving on disability and retirement and stuff like that, right. which is you're you on know. a fixed income. I'm on a fixed income and I'm trying to do everything I can with with you know the little funds that i you know that i personal funds and stuff so mm-hmm.
1: so um, um for everyone listening if there's if they wanted to give back would they contact you directly or would they go through
2: so they they can yeah i need what i need to do is i need to set up an, an email with, uh, you know, like a, like a business email, I guess you would say. Sure. Um, but you know, my, well, my personal email, I'll, I'll give it out. My, my personal email, you can contact me for any more information or if you're, if you want to donate, um, I don't know if you want to donate to, uh, operations, second chance dot org is the website. And there's a, there's a, um, a giving now button and then it, and then it goes to the donate I mean, the whole just, organization. Just, yeah. You just yep. go through. And then I guess if, if you were to, to donate to the organization in the memo line, you could put for the Iowa chapter. Okay. You know, that way, you know, it gets to this organization. Mm-hmm. And is, um,
1: is the Iowa chapter live, like through operating it's, second chance? I'm,
2: I am. I'm waiting for that approval through okay. the DNR. And which, you, which is going to come this week.
1: What I mean, like through the organization though. Yeah, the, if you did, if you, if they went on there tomorrow and did that.
2: So they're not going to see, uh, on the, the current, uh, retreats and stuff like and They're not going to see Iowa on there. Sure. I need to just get a hold of the president and have yep. her, had her add it to the website and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a green light all, all through the, all through the organization. Uh, all through the organization. Well, that's and, great. uh, yeah, they, they can't believe that I've done as much as I have. They're like, Oh man, that was quick. And like, (laughs) like, you know, hunting season is not until this fall. I'm like, yeah, I know. But you know, I don't, I don't sit and wait for shit. Yeah. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it now. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so if, I mean, I'll give my, like I said, I'll give my email and stuff like that. And, and, um, if you're, if you have, um, I mean, obviously any gear or anything, any, you know, I guess the, the biggest need that we, that I, I foresee having is, um, tree stands um, i you know right now i use my personal tree stands and stuff like that and uh, we can always always use more tree stands mm-hmm. um, whether it's ladder or or hang-ons and um, just any miscellaneous stuff to go with with bow hunting you know yeah. you know bow hangers and you know safety harnesses yep. and you know the whole the whole gamut yeah yeah absolutely so
1: and they would just contact you personally. yeah you send, shoot me
2: an email and stuff and i mm-hmm. i could i could push out a like a mailing address or whatever like that, and mm-hmm. you know, obviously it's a five hundred one c three, so it's a tax write off. That, that's you know, if it, it comes down to that, yep. um, and I can provide whatever paperwork you need for that. Yeah, I was
1: say not not only do you feel good after you give to an organization like this or do something nice for someone else, but it's also like with this aspect, it's a five hundred one c three. So if you're a business out there mm-hmm. and you donate then you're going to get a little tax off too so even uncle sam looks at it, it's like hey good job buddy you're, you're a nice guy <laughs> yeah. and i'll give you a tax a little tax break for it so yeah <laughs> so if if being nice isn't uh fuel enough to do it you do get a tax write off even yeah. like normal people you don't have to have a business you can write it off on your personal taxes even if you donated to you know any five ones c three yeah so
2: yep oh yeah
1: yeah so is there I'm, anything else I'm, did you did you get I did did you put out your email already?
2: Or oh, no, I already? didn't. Okay. So, so my personal email is S R F E R. 24 at AOL.com and yes I am probably the, still the, the only AOL member still out there. I'm just, just going to say I, that. I'm keeping it alive. Yeah,
1: yeah. AOL is well, sitting there like thank God for yeah. Jeremy. Well, let's well, check it out. There's
2: probably one dude at work at AOL and he's like this guy won't fucking die. Yeah. You know, Like shit we got to keep the lines we're open. Tr- we're trying to close the doors on this bitch dude. No I've, <laughs> I've had to think since I was 24. That's it's a surfer like S-R-F without the U but uh, 20 I've had it since i was 24 so like i've had all my email so i'm just i don't know that's funny yeah (laughs) i need i need to i need to get off my ass and make a a business email i guess so
1: you know if anyone wanted to to you guys contact me and
2: like i said we we don't we don't
1: live too far away so if someone has any more questions or anything that you can always contact me too through my you know through victory drive uh pod instagram or victory drive pod gmail and all that kind of shit too so but yeah uh, was there anything else we really wanted to hit on? Or that? Like that was,
2: I don't know, man. I got I got war stories for days. I got, I got so many funny stories. I mean, we could cover oh, another yeah. time or we could do it today or yeah. whatever.
1: Well, so. like I said, we don't live too far away, so no. we can always do it again. We, I mean, we are just over two hours now. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. It doesn't feel like no. it, does it? No. <laughs> yeah, that's the cool thing about podcasting. But no, I... You guys will probably hear Jeremy again, unless he good deal tells me to kick rocks like this sucked and I'll fuck off. But (laughs) no, No, this has been great It's been great, man. I really appreciate you sitting down and going through this stuff. And I think what you're doing is is awesome. Like it's just amazing, like getting out there and giving back to the community that you came from and helping these guys out. It's an absolutely fucking amazing thing that you're doing, and I appreciate it. And hopefully it. it takes off and. Oh yeah, it just keeps getting bigger and better. You
2: know, I think I think it has nowhere to go but up and up and up and up and up. Absolutely, it's going to be amazing.
1: Yep. All right. Well, hey, thanks everyone. Appreciate you listening.